Just so you know, you guys are breaking up a lot. Oh, okay. Are we breaking up now? Are we? No, you're we good better? now. Okay, maybe it was just like a quick little thing because I was—he wasn't breaking up for me, so I'm hopeful that okay, it wasn't. I think it was up. just Allie. <sighs> that bitch. <laughs> That's true. <sighs> I swear to God. Welcome everyone to May Week Again, a little podcast that we do covering The 100 um, and some other sci-fi. But but today we're covering uh, The 100 Season 5, Episode 13. Um, this is actually our 51st episode. I forgot to call out that we did our 50th episode last week, so I'm a failure. Uh, my name is Joe. I am joined today by Shaheen hey and our extra super special guest, Joe Garfine. Hello. How are you? Was it okay that I used your last name? Of course. Hey, it's okay. On I, figure, I, f- I figure you're like known in the fandom as opposed to us cave trolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. when I was a kid and didn't have my own podcast, I <laughs> used to always listen to Joe and AJ's, AJ's podcast. And yeah, I was like, I want to grow up and do that. That is so this. sweet. So it's so weird now. That <laughs> full circle. You're, you're on our podcast. Well, listen, I appreciate that. AJ and I did enjoy doing the dropship, but that is as dead as the dropship on Earth, which is now also dead. And oh. uh, we had fun while it lasted, and it became an, uh, an unexpected success, and partly because we had great access to do interviews, um, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that later, which why I had access is because of Cancer Good Sauce, and we will get to that when the time comes. But uh, it just became more work than we had time for with our day jobs and our, our side jobs. It's a lot jobs. of fucking work. You know it, girl. Jesus, I'm so looking forward to this hiatus, except last week, like, Jen and Cece were all hopped up talking about doing, like, women in sci-fi podcasts, and we're going to do humans, because, you know, we've wanted to do humans for a while with Shaheen, we need to cover The Expanse, I'm like, this is not a fucking hiatus. Yeah, well, Sha- yeah. Shaheen, thank you for listening, and I know a lot of people did, and we appreciate it, yeah. and this is awesome that you guys are now, you know, Claire and Aaron from Metastation call me the uh, fairy pod mother. Sure. Um, and I gladly take that mantle because I'm old as shit, and especially compared to most fans, so thank you for listening. Oh, we, we're, we're old bitches podcasters, too. Yeah, sure. And seriously, though, you're the, um, the fact that you stopped doing your podcast was one of the reasons we started doing ours. Oh, it totally was. Perfect. Yeah. See, I, it was out with the old, in with the new. I love it. And everyone has such a different style. I love that there are so many different people doing 100 podcasts and articles and analysis and recaps. I think there's just a really nice variety. And I do think that it's important that all perspectives seem to be represented. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have Cece like listens to us and then, uh, you know, Metastation on the regular. She's like, I swear to God, you guys never fucking overlap. <laughs> and I'm like, how? But then why? why like, would, you in know, terms of what we talk about? Yeah. Like, cause they're coming at it from like more of like, sort of stories and themes and characters and stuff. And not that we don't talk about that, but then, you know, you'll give us a fucking We're coming at it from more of a butt sex A lot of butt, yeah. A lot of of dick jokes. Um, (laughs) And dick jokes, yeah. Way more, way more. Okay. Um, I am definitely unprepared in the dick joke category, but I look forward to participating. You know, that's all that matters. (laughs) You try your best. Um, What's everyone drinking or otherwise intoxicating with this evening, Uh, Joe? Well, it's only 5.30 on the West Coast, but it's Friday night. So I have with my uh, Star Wars Death Death Star Ice Cube. uh, I have one of those molds. I can never get it to work. 
I'll, I'll, I'll offline, I'll show you how to do it on Skype. Okay. okay. Uh, in my, I'm having a 10-year-old rye whiskey called Whistle Pig out of Vermont. Ooh. And it's with just basically the ice cube because I like to let it melt. I know that's treacherous to some people who drink whiskey. Don't judge me. But then I add a little bit of orange bourbon bitters to it. Goodness, that is... It's fancy. It's, and I yeah, that to be sounds, fancy. That sounds class and elegance. <laughs> so cheers to that. <laughs> cheers. That's awesome. What you got, Shaheen? The usual? I'm, I'm drinking tea. Um, yeah, so you're not going to hear the drop of... Drop? drip drop of my <laughs> my wine but you might hear the the click of my of your lighter the snick snick my of lighter <laughs> i got a new i got a new pipe to you know smoke some herbal remedies during the podcast um, this is the best thing ever oh yeah but i mean to, i may not need it and it's, to be honest it's cheaply made it's like 10 bucks <laughs> so i think that 10 bucks make mainly went into making it look nice nice and they didn't care about anything else so oh. yeah i'm yeah. not a, i'm not a, um, an herbal person but i'm a whiskey person so we all have our vices <laughs> yeah. we definitely definitely do Whew, that was bigger than i intended um <laughs> shit well this is gonna be a trip Oh, God. Oh, God. I, like, forget that I shouldn't do this when I first start wrangling, but here we are. Here we are. Peer pressure. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit, before we get into uh, the episode details and stuff like that, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of Cancer Gets Lost and your, you know, connection and all that all that jazz. All right. Well, that's a two-pronged story. Uh, basically, um, in my spare time, I am the co-founder and executive director of a small nonprofit called Cancer Gets Lost. Do you have and business cards? I do, and they have the lost numbers on them. And so most people who aren't from the 100 fandom knew me before. I used to have a lost blog back in the day, 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> uh, and that's how this whole thing got started. That's a longer story. But basically, um, I used to do in-depth analysis, no spoilers. Pre-podcasting, this was sort of the thing that we, a lot of us did. Um, you know, we had these blog pages, and we would share our theories. And then it got spread around. It went from an email newsletter. We started off on MySpace, haha, old, um, MySpace to an email <laughs> newsletter to Facebook in 2008, and that's where I started to get added on Facebook by cast and crew from Lost, and that's where I started to make connections and started to go to charity events that they were hosting in Los Angeles. And long story short, when the show ended in 2010, I wasn't really interested in writing anymore, and I needed a new hobby, and uh, a friend had a cancer, and I wanted to help, and I, I had a lot of collectibles, so I thought I'd put together a little auction for her to raise money, and one of the actors on the show, uh, Jorge Garcia, who plays Hurley, reached out to me and said, "I have a piece of the airplane from the pilot. Do you think that'll holy raise shit? Any- yeah, do you think that'll raise any money?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah." He's like, "So he's like, so I signed it and put it in the mail." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, thank you." Uh, so that was the long and short of it. Is that yeah? So my friend Jared, who was a huge Lost fan, and I just had this idea um, while we were at the ABC Lost auction where they were auctioning off hundreds of items from the show from their warehouse and jay and i sat there for 18 hours and at the end of it we not only couldn't afford anything zero dollars went to went to charity and we were sort of appalled sorry abc love you mean it um they've been very nice to me ever since but i'm still judgy and so we had the idea that we could just go on ebay and host our auctions and donate the money and obviously it became um, our own entity we had our a 501c3 sponsor organization which long story short means we have uh, a fiscal sponsor, which is a philanthropy company. They reached out to me, and they're huge Lost fans. They said, we can run your finances and your PayPal account, and you can handle all of the other aspects you love, like the acquisitions, autographs, and organization, and the social, which is all me. And I love that part. Um, so to, to have someone who 
takes a very, very, very small percentage, but then also takes care of all of the back end financials for me is, is huge. And you probably mm-hmm. didn't need to know all of those details, but long story short, I keep <laughs> saying that uh, cancer gets lost is now hosted four huge auctions, a few small in between, and we've raised over $200,000 for five different cancer charities and donated it all and kept zero. And it is the best thing that's ever happened in my life besides my wife. Damn. And I'm, not, I'm sober, so. <laughs> that was great. So so you guys actually just wrapped up an auction, and I know that you, it's still like in the final phases, but are you are you comfortable? Are you allowed to say like what this latest auction approximately-ish Yes, approximately. Yes. I haven't published the number, but if all the paperwork comes through, the payments and the shipments arrive, we don't, you know, everything goes well. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be writing a check to the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network for $55,000. That is bananas. It's bananas. It's better than we expected. It's unbelievable. And I have to say that it's 100% due to the kindness of myriad fandoms out there. Almost every item is donated by fans uh, across the movie and TV industries primarily. We also had some music this year and some books. And it is uh, almost 100% fan supported, not financially, but in every other way. And that is why we exist. And I know we'll talk about it later, but I know that the 100 fandom gets a bad rap because some of the loudest people are the ones that get the tension who are negative. But you and I know, and I mean, all of us know that uh, kindness exists and positive intent makes the world go round. And despite what's happening in the United States, I strongly believe in hope because there are people out there every day reaching out to me to donate an item or assist with an auction or talk about how cancer has affected their family. And that is something that despite politics, it supersedes it. It's a human nature issue. And I think that's why Cancer Gets Lost um, continues to be successful because it touches everybody and everybody loves pop culture. They want to be able to help people in their family. And so it's, it's a vicious cycle in terms of cancer, but it's a beautiful cycle in terms of giving back. Yeah, like I feel like at Unity Days too, like what that was over ten thousand yeah. dollars, something like hour. that, in yeah. an hour, which was just crazy. And then, um, you know, I always, you know, at at cons and stuff, where I'll see people posting stuff online, where people just like legit go to cons, get stuff signed specifically, like they pay for the autograph specifically with the purpose of then sending it to you. It's unbelievable. I, one of the first things um, Eliza Taylor ever said to me at a con was, "Everybody knows who you are all over the world at every con." These lovely fans always go, oh my gosh, I'm getting this hand for Cancer Kislas. And then she, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like that's, that's how we first, like we started bonding about uh, nonprofits and we can get into that later. But, um, you know, everyone knows that Eliza runs and owns a nonprofit school for children in Thailand. And so we immediately bonded and talking about how to channel fans toward the greater good with what we're trying to do in our spare time. It's, it's, it's awesome that, that, that good stuff comes out of, you know, just people sitting around watching fucking TV. Exactly. You know, people, when Lost was first on and, and everyone had blogs, there were people that I knew and people didn't know. And they would make fun of us and be like, oh my God, you guys, it's just a show. And no one can anymore. Because look, at it's not just Cancer Gets Lost. Look at all the fans who have started podcasts, who have enriched their lives by becoming freelance writers, by starting their own charitable um things for the actors that they love, their charitable endeavors for, you know, Bob or if it was Devin or Lindsay. I mean, there are so many actors on the hundred and other shows that fans have started campaigns for supporting the causes that are important to them and then helping raise awareness. And so television can change your life. Look at the three of us. Look at what we're doing right now. We're getting fucked up on a Friday night talking about TV. Bingo. <laughs> Look, mom, you don't have to like yell at me about, you know, sitting in front of the TV, going to rot my brain. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm doing stuff. I'm exactly. making moves. You can multitask. <laughs> I can I can do both. You could do both. 
I could do both. Uh, Shaheen, are you still working on your blog? Do you want to plug that at all? Or uh... Oh, I uh, my blog is freefloatingperspective.wordpress.com. But I feel like we haven't plugged your blog in a while. and so Yeah, I haven't written anything in it. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, um, I guess like the main thing that was driving me was people yelling me on Facebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> people yelling at me. Sorry, I'm too stumped. Um, people yelling at me on Facebook, I guess, was like my main motivation in life. It just um, moves. Just, like, the anger kept you going. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, I keep my opinion to myself. Who cares? What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Speaking of uh, social media, um, I totally forgot to do our social media plug you can come yell at us on twitter um it's usually me sometimes i'll call in shaheen to pop up um you can find us on facebook i never update that because i do a bad job you can email us uh at may we geek again uh at gmail.com um you probably found us on soundcloud we're also on itunes that's all i got um yeah one day we'll get the intro part right not today i mean i have it in bullet point 51st episode <laughs> Well, listen, there is a list, but you know, I'm, I'm a free spirit. <laughs> I just give you a hard time. I take, I take, I take where the, I take where the day moves me. Um, do you guys want to yeah, get, I, no, I never do any, do it in order. I, yeah, I we, end up know, switching it up every time. <laughs> we, we play it fast and loose. We keep it, we keep it new. We keep and it And then fresh. afterwards I'm like, hmm, I should have done that this <laughs> I way. I should have done that right. Well, there's yeah. a reason that we have the bulleted list. Um, are you guys ready to, uh, get into talking about this episode? Should I at least tell you where I'm on social media? Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> See? <laughs> I told you we're bad at this. Fuck. It's, it's pretty obvious. You can find me uh, <laughs> everywhere at Cancer Gets Lost on Facebook and Twitter. It's okay. You're hilarious. And, uh, my personal Twitter is at Joe which is the word opinionated with a J in front of it. I am both. It's, it took me a long time to like be able to parse that in my brain whenever I would read it. I was like, Joe, Joe opinion? Why, why am I adding an extra J? It confused me. We have the um, same name, dude. Well, your, your I, handle listen, on Reddit is Ninjojo. What is that about? Both of you. I don't need this right now. I'm trying to do a podcast. <laughs> right, moving on. Moving on. Um, did you want to, before we get into anything, any sort of, of your caveats? Oh, yes. So... I mean, not everyone who's listening may know me. So listen, um, I am a very good friend to the show, of the cast and the crew, the writers of The 100. One of my best friends until recently was on the writing staff, Justine Yule Gimmer. Um, Eliza Taylor and I are very close. So that being said, I just want you to know that I'm still very much a fan. And I'm actually able to be constructively critical. Uh, I love watching my friends do what they love. They work incredibly hard. Their work comes to life. I'm so proud of them. And it's rewarding for me to watch them it's rewarding for them to watch it unfold on screen so of course I'm 100% biased but 100%. I also I also am not shy about what I'm I have issue with um I also would like to say that listen I'm substantially older than most fans of this show and I know that people might be confused as to why I'm saying that but this affects how I watch television and how I react to it I have a different perspective I have different life experience this fandom is not my first rodeo and I say that very nicely like I I dig this fandom, and uh, 99% of the people in this fandom have been so kind to me, and Cancer Gets Lost, so um, I, I just want to put that out there, and um, I'm a sci-fi nerd. I do not ship. I watch no. it. I know. I only ship packages, and they're for charity auctions. God damn it. I know. Uh, so I watch The 100 through a sci-fi lens only, and because I choose not to ship, 
on any show. I'm not as emotionally invested as most fans. That goes back to me saying I'm substantially older and I've been through different fandom experiences. So because I'm not invested in the romantic relationships on the 100 canon or otherwise, I'm not disappointed by expectations, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, You know, I think this was my first real experience with fandom, apart from Buffy, like, but I wasn't involved in a fandom then. But, you know, some things happened on this show. We've talked about it. We've, you know, we've we've gotten into it. And it, it definitely sort of, at several years ago made me sort of step back a little bit from this show right. in terms of my emotional investment. It's not to say that I still don't love the show, that I think that there's so much um, to mine and talk about, but you know, like, you know, you, you get your heart broken and maybe we'll just, you know, we'll be, we'll be friends for now. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's a pretty good, a good like background of, you know, right. we're, we're going to talk about the fucking show. Well, also I was on set the day they started filming this finale. Um, yes. Do you want to do behind the scenes stuff now or like it's up when to you? I feel like I've been talking a lot, but I th- I think when we get to certain scenes and I could talk about like I saw the the bloody arena, you know, in the the bunker which no longer exists. But um, I just want to add that despite being very close to people on the show, they don't tell me a gosh darn thing because <laughs> they know I'm a fan. I don't want to know. I went into the set not knowing any context. The last I saw, Prime Fire was happening and Clark was running into the fire like I had no you know and they were up in space right so we had space crew we had bunker crew we had Eliza crew I mean Clark crew (laughs) part of one see I I always mess up her character her name and then to again step into the set and sit in video village and the first thing I see is Raven locked to a chair with apparently a love interest being tortured on a platter (laughs) by a dude with a crazy mohawk who plays a delicious villain I'd, I'd never met and then Clark coming in with a gun and there's a pregnant lady. Like, I had no clue. <laughs> that must have been like a total mind fuck of just like, what the fuck is happening? And also they were on a spaceship. So... Right. You had a lot of questions. I did, but I didn't ask anything. I just sort of sat there and... I went, mm, mm-hmm. And they're like, do you want context? I'm all, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I spent so much time also um, in props and I got to go to the truck. The truck that houses all the weapons and guns. And I'm a professional archivist by day, so I'm a total organization nerd. And to go and see something so organized by character, season, weapon, and then to see drawers full of different, and the different materials made to to make Echo's bow and Lexa's sword and Bellamy's gun. It's the coolest shit ever. Um, I nerded out with Paxton, the props guy. Thank you. He's a cool dude. He's so cool. All the props crew are so cool. Like, I was a total nerd. I'm not going to lie. I spent, <laughs> and they, they took me to the other, the lock there, like behind lock and key as it should be, are the the warehouse of, again, as an archivist, I appreciated this, bin after bin labeled, like Clark season one outfit, Raven helmet season four. I mean, it just blew my mind. Obviously for continuity, they have to keep that in case they come yeah. back to it. Um, just to see that I actually enjoyed the props more than anything. <laughs> that was actually the highlight of Unity Days. Yes. Um, and I have a story that may or may not make it into the podcast. Uh, I would I would like your opinion on whether or not it's a bad idea to tell the story. Okay. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, but in terms of, I've always wondered... Like, they're out there, they're running around, they're getting sweaty, and they, you know, they obviously have several backups of an outfit, but, you know, they're, like, things are ripped in one place. How do they wash the clothes? Or is, or do you just not want to open up one of those bins and it probably smells real bad? I think that's probably it. I, I think they have three 
versions of every outfit ready, especially for outdoor weather. Because where I was, we were an indoor set the whole day. And even though it was January and it was freezing in Vancouver, we were wearing parkas inside. It was that cold inside. Yeah. I can't even imagine uh, them filming outside. It's bananas. Um, and, you know, like the scene in, in episode one this season when Eliza's in the sand for 18 hours a day, they, I think they literally have to just shake it out. Maybe they put it in dryer, unscented. I'm not sure. <laughs> but all I know is you know, it was people hot. Are people It was that. Yeah. Was, they were filming in, I think, July or August, that particular episode, 501, and it was scorching. And she's in long sleeves, and she's in, like, a, a long sleeve. Apocalyptic hen- Henleys. Apocalyptic Henley and black pants in Vancouver mm-hmm. summer in the sand. That sounds great. Um, very so, exfoliating. Very very. That's why her lips look like that. It was nothing to do with crime fire or any of the conditions, I'm sure. Yes. It's a very expensive spa yes. treatment. But yeah, the, uh, the, the, it was really eerie. Again, I had no context, but they're like, here's the arena. And I'm like, what's the, oh, the floor looks like it's covered. Bad things happen here. And I was like, this is like the hatch on Lost. And then I walked through them all. This is not like the hatch on Lost. This is a <laughs> floor covered in blood. And there's a fence, and it's in the round. And I obviously, it reminded me of our my wife's favorite episode, I Watch the Thrones, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a fighting arena with Lexa and Rowan, but indoor. And I was like, this can't be good. Um, <laughs> but then the cool, the coolest part was walking through the spaceship set because it, I love Battlestar Galactica, and it was like I felt like I was on the deck. And I totally. Walk, and walking through it. So, like, and the details, you guys, the foam, the, the colors, the textures. I felt all the walls. And, you know, I'm creepy. And, um, <laughs> and but the, also the, the set that's the gas station, which was Maddie and Clark's house. Mm-hmm. Old gas station with a diner, which became uh, Abby's surgery room. Um, super hygienic. And also where Clark... Uh, Dr. Dirty Hands Dr. is not known no. for her... Yeah. But no. given, <laughs> given who she was operating on, it was fine. Um, it's fine. It, Vincent's a whole other story. Uh, but yeah, the, the you look at the materials and it looks like it would have been something. They take their time to go, what would have survived the apocalypse and been found in, in a bunker or out in scorched earth? And they used those materials to build the sets. They made they make it as organic as possible. And I appreciated the texture and the, the detail that they put in. Also, I saw all of those drawings hanging up from Clark's journal or Maddie's journal. We don't mm-hmm. really know. Uh, but of all the characters who are still around and who are gone, and I had no context for why those were hanging up in the house, um, let alone the blood and the blood on the floor, the blood hanging in a in lab in the kitchen. Oh, um, right. I forgot. By then, <laughs> shit would have been pretty bloody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so interesting. You're like, what the fuck is happening yeah. this season, you guys? I think that the biggest set that I think didn't come across on screen that was so beautiful was the church. Um, you know, where most of the criminals slept and, mm-hmm. and McCreary's crew and, and we saw Raven and Echo and them in, at the end. That is an amazing, huge church they built. I mean, really? Yeah. With these beautiful um, glass windows and just the details on the, it almost looked like a, a post-war bed room, you know, where they, they house soldiers. Um, so they built the whole church they, from scratch? They built the whole church on a soundstage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty rad. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and if there's other things I remember as we get to like the first ep- the first scene when we get to talking about it, I can give you some more tidbits. But it was it was really cool, and I have to tell you, I I've known Eliza many years. We're very close, mm-hmm. but I've never been to her work. She's never been to mine. It's just not something most friends go to their friends' work. So <laughs> right, um, I didn't really know what to expect, and it's so I I she is so method. I mean, I barely talk to her all day. She gets off the seat, she goes to her chair, does her thing. Right, Lindsay Morgan. Goes and gets tortured. She's crying. She's dressed as raving. She gets out of the scene. She goes, oh, my God. Hi, Joe. Do you want to go to craft services? And I was like, 
But you were just tortured and you're, you're raving. Yeah, it makes like, you hungry. It's you... weird, but like, you're fine. She goes, yeah. And it was just like, she was so able to snap into Lindsay in the moment. It was so fun to see. Uh, it, it, it just, everyone handles it differently. Uh, you know, how they are on set. And I think at the end of the season too, like the focus and the, the way they're able to decompartmentalize. Cause Raven, obviously, obviously we'll get to that too. Yeah. Um, Lindsay loves the physicality of the role, but I'm sure by the end of the season, she's like, let's go get craft services because that scene is over, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I met Ivana Milicevic. I'm butchering her name. I'm so glad that they didn't kill her off at least uh, in the finale. Like, I mean, cryo, I know that we're going to lose some people unexpectedly in cryo, but like, God, I am hoping for a casting announcement. Okay, I love her. She is, you know how one calls Clark Mama Bear in season five? Yeah. Ivana in real life is Mama Bear. She is a earth mother, hippie, wonderful human being. Um, just told me her life story in between scenes. And she's like, cool. I'm just so pregnant. And she, we're all in parkas and she's like, I'm in a t-shirt and I'm hot. And <laughs> she's like, but they totally accommodated. Look at my costume. It's got stretch in it. And she was just like telling me her life story. And she was so sweet. Funny enough, my wife and I had gone to a bar the night before and met her and William Miller, Miller and Jordan Bulger, who plays Zeke, whatever his name is. Uh, I don't even. He is Zeke. He will always, he be, will Zeke. always be Zeke. He is Zeke on this podcast. Right. We do not accept any other names. Okay. Hashtag Shaw. <laughs> um, I ran into them and met them uh, and introduced myself through a mutual friend who was at that bar, and they were all so delightful. And I said to William Miller, "I don't know you." But I love your look, and I just have a feeling that you are going to be a great villain. And he's like, oh, oh, you're going to hate and love me. And he was totally right. <laughs> I mean, they're all so lovely. And Jordan has this very British accent, very, very British accent. Um, and he's delightful. So then to the next day to see them on set and all bloody and crazy, it was so cool. Like I That's... said, I'm, I'm a huge fan, so it was such a treat for me. And then at break... Uh, I went with a Lesnar trailer with Bowie, and that was normal. And then, but she's dressed as Clark. It was very weird. <laughs> and you're like, wait, Clark has a dog? I'm super confused right and now. And I'm such a mom friend. I was like, don't you need to like change for lunch? She's like, oh my God, Joe, relax. This is not, <laughs> this is not, this is season five. They have other outfits. I'm having a salad. It's fine. Uh, because I'm like, oh, don't you get, you know, whatever. And people are laughing at me because that's my first, I mean, I've been on a set, but not like a live one like that. I've been to sets where they're filming in the background. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing, but certainly not like this. So it was great. I mean, uh, I know I'm talking a lot, but um, Blythe Ann, who was Jason's assistant last year, uh, ironically enough, we go back 10 years. We met through Lost. She showed up in Hawaii to my fan party. When on um, season six, uh, there was a premiere in Hawaii. I threw a fan party and she showed up. That's where I met her. That was in 2010. And then two years ago, she called me. She goes, guess what? I got a job on the hundred. I'm like, no way. <laughs> like, it's a small world after all. So she was going to I think your world is very, like, yeah. your world is enormous and yet very, like, you touch, you touch a whole world. I try in a very <laughs> kind way. In a, Not perversely, right? but, you know, hey, man, it's your workout. Exactly. Like, I, you know. Yeah. So Blythe was going to be up here for Unity Days, up there for Unity Days, and I was up there, and then she got me on set, and it was just, 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 just. Uh, just uh, the best. It really was. It was such a treat. And I got to see the rover, and I had a, I fanned over the rover. No, R.I.P. rover. I mean, couldn't they have just put that on the ship? It seems like a big right? ship. There was room. <laughs> Maybe they'll like they did, and then they'll just modify it for whatever planet they land on. Right? They'll be like, "Oh, look, good thing somebody brought the rover Wink. into the That's solar powered." And yeah. well, hey, there's two suns. Maybe Ooh. it'll be a turbo. Yeah. It'll be like Fast and Furious. Oh my god, that is <laughs> amazing! And that someone's gonna write fan fiction. Go. Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> um, 
Thank you for, yeah, letting, so, thank you for letting me drown on that. Of course. Was, you know, a lot. Well, We'll 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 prod for some more stories as 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 we go through the episode. Um, Can we go back to the um, to touching the walls, feeling the walls? Yes. <laughs> Do you guys ever smell a book? Yes. Oh, yeah. I love the smell and textures of books. Oh okay. Why? Sorry, you're not weird, Shaheen. Not about that. Okay. <laughs> oh no, I mean I'm- I've done it in front of people, and some people think it's creepy they're like whoa what, what what just happened what did you just do no i, I lament and the I'm loss like, of books in a digital world so i love libraries and i've kept all of our hardcovers and i just love the texture of books because there's a history you're an archivist i'm an archivist and a lit major so you like books i like books sorry did i say touch smell or did i say smell oh, I like smelling yeah too. yeah yeah there's a, yeah, there's yeah. a smell to a library book like a sn- sniffing the yeah Dude, especially a new book Yep. New books, old books. Yeah. I think that there's like a name for the chemical that is the smell, but I'm too lazy to look it up. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the episode today, we're actually wrapping up season five. It has felt like all the time with all those mini hiatuses and no time because this whole season was just jam packed for better or worse. Uh, the episode is called Damocles Part Two, written by Jason Rothenberg and directed by Dean White. Um, let's get into some overall takes. Um, Joe, since you are our special expert <laughs> guest, um, why don't, why don't we start with you? what do you think of the episode? Well, uh, I don't know if this is unpopular or popular because I've read a lot of reviews and I think it's 50, 50, but, um, I like how season five wrapped up and that the post-apocalyptic earth is done. I, I like that. I think it's important to open a new book. As they say, I think the show really needs it. Did you, did you not think, like, because I feel like when we went into season five, everyone was like, it's going to be a reset, it's a whole new thing, six-year time jump, and then everyone was super mad when, and I talked about this on the last podcast, because I feel like it was on purpose, but they felt like the characters hadn't moved in any direction, or the direction that they had moved was very upsetting. So right. you don't agree that this one was necessarily uh, the reset that we were promised? It was not, and I would not say it's the best season. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think they nailed the last 20 minutes of the finale and we can certainly get there. Um, But, and we, as we drill down overall and, you know, um, I will give you my constructive criticism of certain aspects. (laughs) (laughs) So Shaheen, what, what about you? What, what about your, what were your thoughts and feelings and hopes and dreams for the episode? Not about life. We don't have time for that. So, yeah. (laughs) So, um, I definitely agree with the, that, the last 20 minutes was awesome. Uh, I cried for Monty. Aww. And um, yeah, and I'm excited about the world building possibilities of being on a new planet. Um, we'll talk about this more, I guess. Um, it's, you know, you might worry that, you know, it's kind of like a mega reset button all the way back to season one. Um, so hopefully it's not like that. But it, it still allows for a lot of, like, discovery and mystery and things to unfold. Um, because that was one of the things that was kind of disappointing about this season was the the world shrank to just, like, two Oh, locations. my God. I'm sorry. Do you guys hear my cat being so angry that he's locked <laughs> out of the office? Can you guys hear that? Barely. Okay, good. Then yeah. fuck him. I'm not going to go okay. yell at him. <laughs> sorry <laughs> to interrupt you, Shaheen. It's super loud. And I'm like, dude. We we do this every week. Every week you're mad, and I don't let you in. Like <laughs> yep. f- fucking learn. But no, he's a fucking. It could cat. be every day. It doesn't matter. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Shaheen. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So that's all I have to say about specific to this episode. But um, 
there's also stuff that, you know, was true in this episode, but also has been true this season. And we have talked about this, um, you know, the, that the way I would summarize it is that the story seems to have lost much of its internal rail guards mm-hmm. with respect to both character and plot. Um, so, yeah. And, like an you know, imbalance? I kinda, well, by rail guards, are me- I mean things that um, keep you within a certain range of possibilities, you know. So when you have a character, you... Being a character, by definition, means that you have certain dispositions to act a certain way. And so as a viewer, you expect the character to stay within a range of behavior. Although, you know, we like how the show takes the characters to extremes and lets them change and evolve and all of that. But still, you know, there has to be some sort of framework for it to make sense. And it's the same thing with the plot. So... You know, and I've talked about this. I kind of feel vindicated, to be honest, because like I've been I've been yelling about this since episode two. And <laughs> you're like, you know, finally, just, everyone else is on my side now. Yeah, I've this been like, moment. dude, no one makes sense this season and all of that. And the characters don't make sense in the plot. And now I feel like, yeah, everyone you know, all, all of a sudden. You're you're. You're a season five hipster, Shaheen. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's what I would say. I, I felt like, yeah, there's a lot and a lot of things seem to be happening by fiat. We'll talk about it, you know. Okay. Uh, Bellamy forgiving Clark. Well, E.G. We'll, we'll, <laughs> Just we'll as an example. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Um, I guess uh, I don't have a whole lot to add. I laid out my sort of theory, my unified theory of season five um, in our last episode as to kind of why I actually felt a lot of this character disconnect made sense to me in in sort of the idea of these parallel stories of, you know, uh, addiction between Abby and Octavia and Clark and, and to a certain extent, Kane with his self-righteous bullshit. Um, <laughs> so fucking mad at Kane, and I'm still mad at him after this episode. Anyway, sorry, let me... Do you wish he, he never came out of coma? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> We'll get back to that. Um, but uh, so, you know, that that sort of idea of, you know, that 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 last episode was was definitely Clark and Octavia hitting their rock bottoms and that, you know, I kind of had hope going into this episode, not that we would get, you know, massive character moments, but it sort of felt like um, the way that these character moments happened, it was like. Yay, we asked for this, but this isn't, this was, this was not how we, no, we thought that you would actually like (laughs) kind of try with them. Like it would, we'll, we'll get into specifics because I think we all probably have somewhat, somewhat similar takes on sort of the execution of being starved for these character moments and then sort of feeling, you know, that they were maybe a little bit of a throwaway to the plot. Um, but, you know, again, the last 20 minutes were, were spectacular, um, obviously. And I liked Oh, you know, I liked sort of, it w- I was entertained the whole episode, but, you know, as much as I, as I sort of have an understanding of the complaints of a lot of people this season, you know, definitely this episode didn't necessarily live up to what I would have liked to have seen. Um, but, you know, I'm not That's the storyteller. So I was um, going to ask you, so you yeah. think that this episode confirmed your theory? No, I don't think that this episode maybe necessarily can confirm my theory. What I think is that 
it sort of tried to leapfrog back over my theory and try to give people who did not follow my theory sort of their answers. They were like, hey, you know, look, here's a moment where Bellamy finds out about the radio. Here, look, Clark and Bellamy are talking. Here, look, here's, you know, Octavia and, and Abby having a conversation. You're like, yeah, but that's not, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> A, people wanted that way before, or B, like it just kind of felt like an afterthought or like... So do you think it disconfirms your theory? God damn it, Shaheen. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think it does either. I think that my theory still holds because I still have textual evidence. You think it's indifferent with respect your, to your theory? Like it, it doesn't lend any confirmation or disconfirmation. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't add or take away. Yeah, like my theory is backed up with past, like with, with textual evidence from the rest of the season. And so this episode, I don't think was, it, it, it mattered no no way one or one way or the other uh-huh do you know raven's paradox like with her leg <laughs> with, no no wait we're not specific. the raven more, more specific are we talking edgar Allan poe <laughs> Reyes? right the raven paradox is um uh is a paradox that um carl hempel the famous philosopher of science um, How do you remember all this shit? <laughs> logical empiric- famous logical empiricist uh, came up with. The idea is that fi- if you find a white shoe, um, that confirms the theory that all ravens are black. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the. it's called a paradox because it's so counterintuitive. But the idea is that if you think by con- confirmation you mean that it's an, ins- it's an instance of it, then... Um, so no, if if you unpack the statement all ravens are black, logically speaking, it says for all x, if x is a raven, then x is black. Sure. And there is this rule in logic that's called contrapositive, means that you can switch it around and put a negative in front of it. So if raven then black is equivalent to if not black, then not raven. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, okay, so a white shoe. So a white shoe is not black and the, and it's not raven so it's it's a con- con- confirming instance of the theory that all ravens are black this got deep real quick <laughs> <laughs> well wow, listen was... i'm just glad it's not a fucking trolley problem again to be honest <laughs> so i kind of imagine that we're going to get into one later i you know because yeah. clark pulled a lever so we got to talk about a trolley problem um okay. no I, I i think i think my hope is that season six and i think in this in this way i actually do kind of come together is is dovetail the one where they come together or they go apart go apart go apart all right the opposite of dovetailing um (laughs) where uh maybe i'm wrong dude (laughs) where my hopes and dreams for season six are actually somewhat aligned with a lot of people who are very dissatisfied with this season in terms of like yeah everything was terrible people were shitty everyone hit rock bottom now we have to sort of like you know, do our 12 steps and heal. And I think that that's what people wanted out of this season. And I think for reasons that I under, that I don't feel dissatisfied with that didn't happen this season. Um, so yeah, like let's, let's start talking about the episode, I guess. Um, we started the episode, uh, with, Oh my God, what did I, Oh, I scrolled too far. I was like, (laughs) we didn't start with Raven's leg. Um, we started, uh, hanging out with one crew and we got, 
Octavia, you know, ba- bending the knee to to Maddie and Maddie deciding to, you know, be the commander. And then we got some weird flame shit happening. Um, yeah. Like, uh, Joe, what'd you, what did you think about the sort of first little bit of this story where we, you know, Maddie is now the commander for all intents and purposes? Okay, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Blakes. Okay. And I joked that season three was Blaking bad for Bellamy. Uh-huh. Uh, and I would argue that clearly season five <laughs> was Blaking bad for Octavia. But and holy every... shit, Marie has been Dude. unbelievable. I was I have not really been an Octavia observer yeah. these most of these seasons. Like, she's not on my radar very much. But like, uh-huh. fuck this season. <laughs> like, definitely my favorite main character this season. I'll never forget Unity Days. On stage and backstage, she's like, shit, people are going to hate me. And I'm like, <laughs> you or Octavia? She goes, oh, Octavia, it is dark. I'm like, it's always dark. She goes, no, no, no. <laughs> it's dark. Dark, dark. Darkness. Um, yeah, I... I actually think that in terms of character development, Octavia is up there in the top two for me, top two or three, because to go from under the floor mm-hmm. to ruling above it, to returning to a spaceship when you're relegated to a non-status, you're rele- rele- relegated mm-hmm. to an outsider, is a really interesting trajectory, and I cannot wait to see what Marie brings to Octavia in season six, what the writers bring to her. She's um, been fucking phenomenal this season. Yeah, and she's just been so brutal and I just, I, I don't know, there's no softer side of Octavia anymore, we know that, I don't think. But what I, I'd like to see is a different side to her when she is weaponless except for her, her mind. And mm-hmm. I think they specifically had this scene with Dioza where the outsiders became BFF, or at least that's all what we hope. Um, and they have their, it's a very interesting combination if you think about Clark and Bellamy as leaders and then Octavia and Dioza. Mm-hmm. As like, Not that I you think know. it's going to be two against two, but it's interesting to see the dynamic because those two were left out of the cool kids club to talk about humanity. Right. Even, even Zeke was invited. <laughs> even the pilot. I'm just saying. He's Raven adjacent. Um, so I don't know. I think I, I really loved her journey this season and I know it was dark. Uh, but I could see the conflict in her eyes, and I just, I dug that. Uh, I loved the new criminals and the anti-heroes. We'll get to that. But listen, the scene with everyone bowing in respect to Commander It was Maddie, a divisive scene, though. There are a lot of people who were not fucking pleased about that. I get it. Uh, it, it was a, a surprise, especially with space crews bowing. Um, you know, to me, the second Bellamy figured out how important Maddie was to Clark, Bellamy is going to protect and be listened to her. And I think that that also, obviously later on in the episode, we'll get to it. But a lot of people were like, why is Bellamy, you know, basically turning to this commander kid to make a decision about how they save themselves in cryo. But I think it comes down to, we all know that Bellamy and Clark look to each other for the main leadership decisions. And he knows how much Maddie means to Clark. He's going to defer to her, not for everything, but certainly in that scene, he reads the room. He reads the room (laughs) as does everyone in space crew. Um, I think that what's controversial, and of course, is the Lexa of it all. It's the Lexa in the room that people either don't want to talk about or they do. She has a legacy, and I think it's important to, I think it's important to keep that legacy. And it's not just through the commander. It's how Lexa affected Clark as a human being and as a leader. Mm-hmm. And that we'll get to that later. But the bowing, I could see. You know, I, I think you're going to bring it up about the last time we saw someone bow was really, you know, Clark and Lexus' yeah. uh, fealty scene. Mm-hmm. This was decided. Wait, different. so is everyone married to Maddie now? That's weird. That's... <laughs> Ooh, weird. Weird. Um, I mean, also, I understand there's a lot of people who are um, understandably a little bit 
unclear about what exactly she sees, um, given that what the last scenes were with Clark and Lexa and Clark's her mom and Lexa's in love with her mom. Yeah, I feel like we need a lot, like for this, we needed a lot more lifting on the flame in season three and more lifting of the, on, you know, the mythology of how that shit worked in season four for like, because people, like I am not overly squicked, but, like, I have questions. Right. We definitely need uh, the Flame 101. And yeah. They like, I just, just little cliff notes. Like, it, yeah, doesn't even, it can even be shitty exposition. Like, yeah, I would take Yeah, it could be a that. bullet point PowerPoint. That'd be great. We can, um, they can mail each other. Like, everyone just gets a postcard in the mail, like, from Jason and just says, right. hey. Oh, they'd love that. Um, <laughs> I will say that as a sci-fi nerd, I've always liked the idea of the flame and the technology behind it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm one of the rare people that like the City of Light despite... Oh, Shaheen is a City of Light... Yes. That... Shippers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we yeah. had hours of podcasts with Shaheen being like, right. and we didn't get to do this, and we didn't get to do this. Right. Yeah. No, I absolutely. I don't ship the, Jally to be clear. I ship oh, the city okay, of light. That's, that's another drink. That's for another drink. I um, aside from the Lexa scene where she dies, which I think was terribly done, and I'm on record as saying that. Yeah. Um, I believe I like the flame, and I like the legacy of not just Lexa, but the previous commanders dating back it's cool. to Becca. Um, on a sci-fi level, it is. It's I super think cool. That- it's like a Altered Carbon, like any of yes. those stories where you're like, cool, or Dollhouse. Um, you know, any sort of this like, not mind control, but like ability of, you know, more minding. Like, right. it's cool. What I mind transfer? This- sure. Mind transfer. Yeah. Uh, what I think was important, and it was brief, was when they're in the tent with Gaia, and then Maddie has the flash-forward vision, or the mm-hmm. vision of, you know, uh, to me, that's commander vision. That, to me, was like, okay, that is what it's used for when she is at one with the commanders. She's able to now, I know she's only 12, but she can control what she needs to see and from whom, and I think that's the real purpose of the flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I just, I, I wish that we just... I wish that it wasn't just that scene right there because in that moment to not have that sort of like explained before, it felt a little Mary Sue to me of just like, oh, look, here's a thing that you need. How convenient. I mean, are we talking about the flame now? Because I I had something to say. (laughs) Yeah, we can talk about the flame. I'm sorry. It's Dio is marking the microphone for some reason. (laughs) It's hers now. She's been marking everything in the house. And now now she wants to bite Because none of the shit in your house belongs to you. (laughs) It it belongs to the cat. And now she's trying to bite me. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) What was I saying? Oh, I have something about the flame. Should we talk about it now? Um, maybe can we just talk a little bit about Maddie as the commander just like first okay, okay. and then we'll, and okay. then we'll talk about the flame. Cause like there were also in addition to issues of the, of, of, of Maddie taking the flame and having this sort of like blah, blah, blah flame stuff. There's also people bitching about this just general return to right, you right. Know, a monarchy. I have my own dictatorship complaints and, but, but oh, uh, let's I, just, I'm sorry. Go, go right ahead. Shaheen. Let me just say though. I, I think that there were, this was actually consistent with the explanation that Becca gave in 307 but we can talk about that later so okay um my problem with that scene is um it's just not convincing um which one the bowing or the well well it's not like flame showing her the future no 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 i'm talking about the bowing the um right is that isn't that what you wanted to yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah the the thing is so we're supposed to believe that octavia bowing kind of sealed the deal and everyone else decided to bow 
because of Octavia that. Octavia bowing made it so that the people who were still loyal to her would also bow because her, yes. her her army was split between people who would readily bow to Maddie and then her like bowing is like also everyone else comes over to. Right. The thing that wasn't clear to me was how many people still are still loyal to Octavia. Because like the last time this happened was when Clark bowed before Lexa and that made all the clans and everyone in Sky Crew bow before Lexa. That was for me believable at the time because yeah, we were told that, you know, um, Clark is known as one hitter and people fear and revere her and, um, you know, people feel like she's stronger than Lexa because A, Lexa made a deal with Sky Crew instead of fighting them and B, he, she made a deal with Mount Weather and Clark was the one who ended Mount Weather, not, not Lexa. So Lexa looked weak and the fact that one, um, the fact that, um, uh, one Hida is um, bowing before her. But nobody saw saw her bow. Like no, no, was... no. So there was a scene where... Oh, oh the public yeah. bow. Sorry, I was, I was yeah. picturing the Lexa bowing. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so um, anyway, so that, that was convincing that that would kind of bring everyone else to bow as well. But Octavia bowing before Maddie, I don't know how that really gets everyone else to bow. Unless they already wanted to bow. I mean, how many followers does Octavia have now other than Nathan's? What's your theory? <laughs> I would just like to say that, like, uh, after six... They, yeah, they had six years under her leadership and most of it was forced. But remember that these people were raised in a land where there was a commander and this is what they know and this is their mm-hmm. history. And now that they're back outside of the bunker, yeah. I think they're going to be more comfortable with an entity that they are used to following in terms of they know that the flame gives this commander, the previous 12 or 13 commanders, information. I think they're going to trust that history rather than the new girl. Yeah. And so... No, I totally agree with well, that. My question is, what is Octavia bowing? What it also means that like, their feud that is serve? over. Because like, right. everyone knew that Octavia was you know, really ready to kill Maddie. And so now this is her saying, you know, here's my sword. I'm not going to kill you. Like, let's be cool. You're in charge now. And I do think um, this kind of also even goes into like when people, you know, people on Twitter um, bitching about how, uh, you know, why the fuck did Maddie get to decide where humanity went? And she got to decide not that it was really her decision, but it was like people are going to follow her. So are you going to tell them that this is what we're going to do? Um right. You know, so it's, she's not exactly a puppet regime, but, you know, she's got, she's got, she's not making unilateral decisions because she's 12. And so she's, you know, taking advice and being like, yeah, I I will, I will instruct all of these people who followed me into battle to do this thing. And also, frankly... She had. She was for the last six years raised by Clark Griffin, who, despite Clark learning a lot, fucking from, Griffin. I wanted to say that, <laughs> despite what she's learning from the commanders, she had six years under the storytelling of Clark, who, of course, never made herself the own hero, but she obviously learned a lot and regretted a lot from letting those people burn in that weather to burning the grounders and barbecuing them, and you know, earlier seasons. I feel like everything Clark learned she presented as a lesson to maddie so again when they defer to her in the end it's not just bellamy saying hey 12 year old kid what do you think yeah she's representing her people all of them she's also representing what she's learned from clark griffin yeah yeah like it's yeah and so you know her her sort of accepting octavia's not surrender but you know her 
pledge, I guess, of loyalty, like, you know, that was sort of, okay, that was the final domino that had to fall in a way to like get all of um, one crew united again under under one leader and ready to go into battle because they're probably hungry, they're thirsty, like, it's hard to like, you know, motivate people to then go fight again, I would say. Does that... But didn't you, weren't you one of the people who said before that um, you would be upset if they went back to a monarchy model? Um, I, I don't think I said that I was upset about that. I, I, and I can see, I just think that like, and I don't think that this has to be permanent. I think that, again, they were out of fucking time. Like they were starving to death in, in no man's land. And so, you know, you need to fall, like they needed to get to the valley and this was the fastest way to do that. And again, so for everyone like complaining about Bellamy, like kneeling or whatever, it's like, yo, you need to all look united. Otherwise we're all going to die. You need to be one crew. Get it? He's, He's learned a lot, and I will just say that Bellamy Blake gives the most glorious battlefield speeches. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed Bob Morley this season more than any other. And Yeah, I liked his speeches this episode. Did you yeah. guys, I, I remember yeah. Unity Days, uh, Bob said, you know, he was unsure of where they had, the writers had taken Bellamy, but by the end of it, he decided, you know, this was the best Bellamy. Did you guys mm-hmm. feel that that was an accurate? No, actually, Bob's and I were talking about this the other day. I don't, we, I don't see, and we agreed, I think the two of us that would nothing like what was what was that plan for Bellamy? Because um, Bob said that the writers had a plan for Bellamy. Um, but then nothing really changed this episode other than him, quote unquote, forgiving Clark. And then, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, I thought he was a much more confident leader from start to finish, given uh, I also believe that he was a leader up in the space crew um, for those who are up on the spaceship. And he was a, not a softer side of Bellamy, but, you know, post Pike I and post everything with Octavia and before he even knew about Blood Raina, um, I just thought he's a different man. He's not a boy. He's certainly a man now. And, uh, you know, again, I don't ship, but I think that he grew for his relationship with Echo. He probably learned a lot. And she comes from an entirely different background. Um, and I think they both were certainly closed off and might still be closed off for mm-hmm. certain reasons. Um, so you learn from your environment and you learn from your choices. Um, and so I just think that he was a better version of Bellamy than we've seen. And I think everything that led up to the end, leading up to Monty and Harper, of course, choosing Bellamy and Clark to be the people. Well, to, like, obviously. Obvious. I would have been so choices. mad if it was Kane and Abby out of like, <laughs> I would have, that is, I would have walked away from the show. Ooh, interesting. Oh okay, there's your line. No, but I, I so yeah, I strongly believe in, in, in Bellamy this season more than any, and I, I actually look forward to him more in season six than almost anyone. If anything, it almost felt like um, them deciding to wake up Clark and Bellamy was like, because you know that Monty and Harper would have so much faith in Bellamy having lived with him for six years right. or whatever. Like, I almost feel like them waking up Clark was like, we're going to give you another chance. Like, you didn't, mm-hmm. you kind of fucked up this time, but... Fine. Like, and remember also in Mount Weather, Monty was the reason they were a Bob. A Bob. Monty was the reason. Sorry, uh, Eliza. See, gosh darn it. Okay, let me start over. Monty Green was the reason that Clark Griffin and Bellamy Blake were able to pull that lever in Mount Weather together because Monty did the technology yep. to get them there. He was there in the room with them. He has been with them through thick and thin. You know, they have all helped each other get out and make terrible choices. And so I'm <laughs> They've right? all helped each other murder a lot of fuckers. It's it's, it's true. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not at all surprised by that. I, I I like you. I think it was the best possible decision. What did did we 
Did we answer any of your questions, Shaheen? I feel like you had some <laughs> questions, but I don't remember where we were going with that. Um, no, I feel like um, you guys completely ignore everything that I said, which is fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, I was talking. What, what was I talking? I about? don't know. Um, you were talking about Bellamy that you didn't really see it. You didn't really know what the plan was. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. just like what uh, nothing happened in the finale that would kind of wrap up Bellamy's arc and give us some sort of meaning to the whole. You don't thing, think so. his speech of like nonviolence and not doing war to Maddie was like. You know, his... I love that speech, but (laughs) how is that? Okay, is that... breaking the cycle, and 125 years later, now he has a chance. (laughs) Shaheen is unconvinced. No, Matt means making more decisions, not just with Clark, but with everyone, and deferring to other people in the group, and not being as dark as his sister in terms of including people in these decisions. I mean, to be fair, that's a pretty low bar. Yeah, I mean, he was the break the cycle, break the cycle guy this whole season, right? That's what I'm saying. He was it was a grown up version of Bellamy. I dug it, but you're allowed not to. It's okay. No, no, it's not. It's just that like nothing, especially like in his relationship with Octavia or with Clark or or you know nothing specific was kind of you know wrapped up or uh, shit light on or anything like that. Um, by the end of the season it's still everything that was if anything was problematic or you know unsatisfactory about about Bellamy's arc it didn't really get resolved um, and the fact that he's a you know peacemaker or whatever is is has been true the whole season right so that's not really that's a constant so you're saying his like emotional uh, entanglements with people were not resolved but I think that that you know that's yeah things that were not constants because like him being the cane of the season is you know that was from the beginning right mm-hmm. so that was a constant throughout. But his interaction, um, but with there Clark are things that you know his story, yeah. Um, because Bob said that you know I was surprised by Spellamy. It's not surprising that he's a peacemaker, but some other things might have been I mean, surprising. here here's the other thing, though. And again, like, I, I, I then have to apologize for bringing up what someone said at a con. Um, <laughs> I think I think a lot of things do get said at cons and people yeah. really just put it under the fucking microscope. Like, even just when I was covering Unity Days, like, trying to make sure that when I sent out a tweet, I was like... Let's make sure that we like try to get some context in there because otherwise Thank you. things will be a fucking dumpster fire. And there were definitely moments where like all of us press crew were like, we're not putting that on the internet. No. Like, and I noticed that and I think, thank you. Yeah. Like we just had moments of just being like, oh no, there's no way that in a, in, in two, you know, 140 <laughs> characters or 280, whatever it was at the time, like that we can, no, we're not going to start a fucking fire about this. So I can also just be like, well, they're trying to be vague and get you hyped. And so they're... Yeah, not... no, especially because they're not supposed to give any spoilers. Yeah. And but so they're just making all these... Va- and so... Right. Yeah, they're making all these vacuous statements like, oh, it's going to be really interesting <laughs> or, you know, whatever. I mean, that's their job. Um, yeah, like that's, you know... Yeah. And, and it's also probably a pretty and hard so, position yeah. to be in to be like, hype your show, but don't say anything. But like, make yeah. sure that people are super interested. And you're like, well, fuck. And think about it too. At Unity Days, they had just gotten the script up and they just learned about how it ended with Harpy and Ma- Har- Harper. Wow, Aww. Harpy. Hi. Harpy. Harper. Marper. I can speak. <laughs> Marper. They had just gotten that and we're getting into that script of the finale. So they were so like, I can't say shit about anything, really. That's terrible. 
But mm-hmm. also, yeah, I mean, it was but part of the job. Part of the job. That's you know. So. And they would not. They love it. They love cons. That's oh my god! Like as an introvert, I'm just like how. But I know, I know. <laughs> all right, you know, hey man, it's it's yeah. it's their workout. Um, yes. should we? Are, are you okay moving on to the flame, Shaheen? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um. So so yeah, you always loved the City of Light and wanting more about the flame in season three. That was like yeah. one of our one of our big things. So you are getting more flame. Are you pleased right. with the with the flame that you were getting? Yeah, I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, she so... was happy about something. Yay! <laughs> hey. Uh-huh. So yeah, no, I um, no, I think that going back to what you said about it seems like a Mary Sue, like the flame can do anything. I actually felt like what we saw was consistent with how Becca explained, um, you know. What, what the flame is supposed to do because mm-hmm. um, Becca said that it's basically it runs simulations it's kind of like Ali runs simulations but it's inside your head and then you know it will tell you the best result right so she yeah. said that yeah uh, um, so does Allie that mean that the flame just like all the scenarios didn't so, account for and Clark what, what we saw was okay so yeah. what we saw was at first I thought it was like a, a flash forward or like she's seeing into the future but it was actually snippets of things that she had seen during that whole fiasco of them going into the battlefield with the rover. Mm-hmm. And she put it together and made this conclusion. So um, the whole thing was, oh, cannons explode. So let's bro- draw out the cannons and explode them. And then we'll have a clearance. Yes. So... Um, so yeah, it put it just it's just like um, uh, so something that a human mind may not put together or whatever, right? So the the flame put it all together. That oh, when we were there, that's what draw that's what drew out the the cannons number one, and then oh, the cannons explode, and so put it all together, whatever. So maybe a human could have done that too, but it's just like you see so many things throughout the day, you don't necessarily put it all together. But this flame is recording all of it and if any of it is of relevance it will tell you right and i love Um, that she's now a 12 year old girl is able to control her mind enough to see what she needs to see she basically used pick up the remote control kids which is an old thing we used to have to do (laughs) and she clicked on command revision and the app popped up (laughs) she fired up her commodore commodore 64 was that it yeah girl now you're talking put in that floppy disk you waited for it you (laughs) gave it a couple of commands it sounded like a like a meat grinder for a minute maybe it was gonna freeze maybe you'd get to play summer olympic games with your little joystick and we've lost like half our i'm old (laughs) same z's also can i just say like if if grounders would just fucking reinvent writing so they could they could just write down (laughs) they would write down commander to like maintain their history (laughs) yeah no write down all the instructions for the flame all the freaking passwords and things that you need to say like be a flame keeper it's all oral tradition of like you need some someone there to tell you what the code what the command is like how to how to open the app it's like like dude just write down Give the Give me a cell phone. Tell me what the password is. Yeah. Wait, ca- counterpoint. McCreary found Dioza's notebook. If you leave a paper trail, the enemy is going to find it. <laughs> yeah. Count- that was an excellent counterpoint. We Thank have- you very much. I pulled that right <laughs> out of my butt. Um, do you guys want to start uh, moving into the battle? Uh, you know, we got a little sexy Allegis uh, trying to get trying to get pilots to do some shit. Or do you guys still have stuff with 
with sort of the initial one crew. Um, at some point, I so, want to talk talk about Clark. Oh, it, talk about yeah. Clark. Does that include that? Inc- that's including the battle, right? Because I want to talk about Clark too. Let's talk about the Clark right now. Fuck it. Yeah. Okay, listen, I'm obviously 115% biased. Okay, <laughs> but I'm also ace. I take myself out of the equation of being French, friends with the people on the show. Like, I watched as a fan. I go, Clark Griffin seemed sidelined this season. And I know I'm not alone in saying yes. that. I know it's controversial. Maybe, maybe not. Aside from the stellar opening episode, which was, if you're going to submit it, uh, I'm a... Uh, Eliza for an Emmy, that would be her real. Oh, first. except, you know, it's a genre show that's not right. on, that's not on HBO, so you can go fuck yes. yourself. And I, I know it was a specific choice to relegate her to the mom role, and she was, for the most part, I think, true to her character. Um, but, and listen, like I said, one of my best friends was on the writing staff. I was a bit baffled this season, uh, at, by at times, by the lack of the bigger picture for Clark. Like, Maddie's my person, but my people from before aren't as important anymore, which I thought would not at all be what Clark Griffin is about. She's fiercely loyal. And I know that she raised this girl from being all by herself for six years. But that being said, I just couldn't buy that she would make decisions to put everyone else at risk. I agree with that. But um, it kind of comes apart from something you said before about her being sidelined. Because I think those are two separate things. Okay. So there's So her being sidelined, this is my personal opinion about this. Is I I love ensemble casts. I love characters that ebb and flow, um, you know, in terms of important their importance in the plot. Um, I love it when a story has um, enough like strong characters and and interesting characters and um, influential characters to run the story with subsets of them at different times and sort of just explore different. Um, combinations of them and how they would interact and so um, I personally like that I don't necessarily want a single character to be like metaphysically special in the story mm-hmm. and this is something that I've never been clear on with respect to Clark and I've often oh, I've often wanted the, to ask the question you wanted me to ask Jason Rothenberg, if we were going to yeah. put him at Unity Days, except you were not in a state to be able to explain your question very well. I yeah. was like, hey, I might get to meet Jason. Is there something you want to ask? And you were... I was seeing things in four dimensions. Yeah, you were in a no, state. So... <laughs> and I was like, what are you saying? So yeah. now you can explain it here. Moderately more sober. So, yeah, I mean, I've always wondered if Clark is somehow, you know, because there are two types of stories. I think I've said this before, actually, on the podcast. Probably. Maybe you are not in a state to remember. That's, um, that's so also fair. There are some stories where the there's one character who's somehow special. Like, you can think of, like, the most obvious cases would be, like, Superman, like, superhero stories. You know, there's a character that's special in a very metaphysical sense. It can do things that other people can't do. And it's the key to solving the whole plot or whatever um and or maybe not as that blatant but there's a character who's you know the center of everything that happens and he or she is the reason why most things happen or whatever and we follow that character throughout and then there are other side characters so that's one type of story and then there's another type where you know you have an ensemble of characters that are sort of competing with in terms of influence 
Um, maybe not explicitly, but the, the story kind of sometimes focuses on one subset and sometimes on another subset. So someone who was very important in one part of the story might kind of take a back seat to another part of the story and so on. And I have no problem with that. I actually like that. Um, so that was why I wasn't ever worried about Clark being sidelined. And this season, although I agree that her turn was, uh, well, so her first turn to, I only care about Maddie. I completely agree with Joe that, um, that was, wait, which one? Me. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Cause at yeah. first I was like, he agrees with me. And then I was like, wait, no, fuck. There are two of us today. <laughs> no, yeah, no. The Joe, the Joe who's always right, not the Joe. Oh who's damn! Right. You know, I'm used to this. <laughs> God damn it! Keep going. Please. <laughs> no, sorry. I was just saying the um, yeah, the the Clark Clark turning to the sort of extreme partial um morality or whatever you want to call it. Or um, I was trying to put a positive spin on it um at the beginning by talking about um ethics of care. Where the idea is that you know there is no ethics without personal relationships, so that's the foundation. That's the foundation of ethics, and so you know you could justify maybe partiality that way. So partiality is not something doesn't need justification in ethics of care because personal relationships are the basis of morality to begin with. Anyway, so whatever that you want to call it, that was that was weird for Clark, and I I agree. I don't believe that. Clark would ever just not care about other people that she used to care about um, because of this one girl that she found. So, yeah, so, yeah, that's all. <laughs> other Joe, what is your take on Clark? Um, I mean, again, like, if... I, I totally see absolutely what you guys are saying, um, but I, I kind of read it, again, as, as purposeful um, because... I, I'm kind of trying to look at Clark since the end of season two, which is kind of where she started on this um, isolationist journey because yeah. we saw, um, you know, in season, she fucking started out season three in the goddamn woods alone. So like already <laughs> she's panther, panther um, getting, getting, getting rassly with a panther and getting sassly rassly with a, uh, with Nyla. But anyway, hello. <laughs> hello. Um, but you know, and then, you know, people were like, Oh, Clark's in Polis. Why isn't she going back to her people? Well, one, you're like, Oh, well, okay. Like, so if you look at it, you know, historically over the show and then you get into season four and everyone was like, why is Clark being such a bitch? Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, and so, you know, and then and then all of her friends leave. And so she lives with like a child and, you know, gets thrust on this other kind of type of responsibility for people. Um right. You know, to me, that actually makes sense. Her being sidelined this season makes sense if it is this like downward spiral of like her sort of guilt and 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 self like flagellation almost. Okay. Um, so so uh, you know, now could the writing have focused on that more and like spent time with her, you know, and given us more more information with that? Absolutely. Like I do think that that I I agree less than as vehemently as some people, you know, who who critique this season, but that you know, we got we got a little too high and mighty, you know, 
on on our plot and and you know forgot a little bit about about some character stuff. I don't need it to be you know. I think they did excellent work with Octavia. They spent lots of time with her. The Abby stuff, while it came a little bit late, also great. You know, and and there were there were other great moments that happened. Um, but right. Clark's isolation and her disloyalty to her people. Um, who we perceive as her people. The, right. She's known these people for less, apart from her mother, she's known these people for less time than she's known Maddie. Right. And she has formed, you know, what they are telling us is a parent-child bond. I would actually read it more as like siblings, even though I'm an only child, that's a separate issue. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I sort of, I, I don't take issue with Clark's loyalties or, and, and her, and her sort of like, uh, not two-facedness, but just, you know, like her, what we don't recognize as Clark, because if you look way back, Clark's been kind of on this trajectory, just like in a way Octavia's been on this trajectory, and Kane, and and I don't think that we really realized Abby's, like her sort of like Lady Macbeth, like manipulations, um, but, you know, they definitely brought that to the forefront, um, you know, this season. Uh, so yeah, like I, I would have liked more of Clark's... Uh, sort of inward dialogue, uh, monologue, I guess. I, I don't know. It depends on who she talks to herself. Um, right. <laughs> but like, I would have liked more of that, but I don't see her, who she is as a, an aberration. It's interesting that you say that. I, I don't want Clark to stay the same for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that just that like, I like many people, I have an ideal version of her. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's good then if, if we, if they always say, if you hate a character, they're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course I would never hate Clark Griffin, uh, <laughs> no matter what, it has nothing to do with the lies. I like, I love Clark Griffin, and so um, I think it's good that it made me look at her in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, uh, literally, no one has any idea about season six. I think it's it's so interesting the possibilities. But she is back with her quote unquote people and her daughter. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, one of the most touching things in the entire episode was the fact that it says Maddie Griffin on Maddie's <laughs> cryo, and they made us cryo. God damn it. Yeah. God okay, damn it. Go on. <laughs> well, we can move forward to sexy Allegis. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's wait, so oh, wait. what's where was we where were we supposed to talk about Clark? I don't know. We're always no, supposed like, to talk about Clark. You, Clark just you just talk about Clark all the time. You know, like we mentioned. No, I mean Clark. it has to be with the sexy Allegis, because it's not <laughs> it's not one crew and it's not evacuation She's crew. She's Clark so crew. She's it, yeah. So we are okay. So we are taught we're we're now going to expand our sexy sexy allegiance. How's that? Okay, that, Shaheen. Um, so we've got uh, let's. I guess we'll just you know we'll touch again on Raven and and Shaw. Like obviously they were setting up a leg parallel, but like I don't. I I mean you know I know we don't we we joke ship on this show. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not a shaven. I'm not a shaven shipper. Okay. Shaven is a terrible ship name, and it makes me laugh really hard. Thank you. Is there actually another? Is there a better ship name? Uh, well, we had the other one is raw. Raw. Yeah. Shaven raw. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So good luck with that. Ew. Okay, I would like to talk about Raven. Okay. First of all, and Lindsay's talked about this at cons. She loves the physicality of playing Raven. Um. She never complains about a character being tortured, at least not to us. And I don't believe that she actually minds. I know that she's an athlete and loves the challenge of the physicality of her role, like going in that ice bath last mm -hmm. season. I don't, you know, I can't speak to her being tortured, you know, like with the shot collar and being tied in the ship, but it was really cool to see in person, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> uh, that being said, 
It's been five seasons. I think it's time to move on from that. Yes, we all have our battle scars. Raven Reyes has proven that no matter who you are, whether you have a disability or not, you could be a badass engineer, rocket, spaceship, pilot, mother effing, badass, we can female leader. You can just I know. I don't fucking badass Raven. <laughs> I love her. My wife is a forensic scientist, and Raven is her favorite character because she is smart. Yeah. And she saves the day. One of my favorite scenes of all time in, in this series is when the Raven appears on the door to Clark in the City of Light, and that's her symbol that she's found her. And I just, I love Raven so much. And I just, you know, Raven. Stop torturing always, Raven. It's, it's, I think it's time <laughs> to move on from that because Raven's proven that she's so much more than her disability. Do you think it was like, like, do you think it was just them, like the writer's meta fucking with us being like, look, we found someone new to torture, but just so you like, aren't, you know, jarred by the new torture guy, we're going to torture Raven a little bit more to like ease you into us torturing this other guy. Like, I like, is it just like, are they just like, is this, is this Raven's like weird, like, does she have a fetish about it now? Like, I, I, I don't know why, like, then her love interest has to be tortured and have his right. leg almost clamped off. That's what I was going to say. Shaw's great. I hope it works out for them. God yeah. bless. Um, <laughs> I think Lindsay's best work was when she was possessed by Allie. Like that kind of mental torture mm-hmm. worked better for me than the physical torture. Because again, you've given this character a disability and she means the world to so many people across the world because she in spite despite it all is just still like i said a motherfucking badass pardon my language it feels weird to cuss um but i just didn't like that they tortured her because it was a boyfriend situation right i also didn't like that they had imori and abby say the exact same thing this is the man i love like listen we get it and like go like uh, you guys uh, have shit to do enough if it was in the reverse if it was in reverse if it was Shaw being tortured. If it was Imori who was shot instead of Murphy, and if it was Abby on that table instead of Kane, would the same result have happened? Would they have the male characters have to state that they love these women and they would sacrifice themselves for them? I thought it was very strange, and I personally, maybe it's my inner giant feminist, was like, mm, "That's a little trite. A little bit about all three. I mean, that's the honest truth." Yeah. No, I I, I totally feel that. Um, Quick little interlude that uh, possibly might get cut depending on uh, whether or not you're in your expert opinion, this story should be included. Um, Real quick on the, on the leg clamp. Cool thing. At unity days, uh, I was talking with Cece and Pax, the prop master and, and Anthony. uh, uh, Yeah. Great, great dudes. Um, And, you know, we were just, you know, like shooting the shit. They were being like, you know, super profesh, like the, the, they were not spilling any beans on anything. Um, but we got to talking and somehow like Anthony's favorite prop came up and, okay. you know, he said that it's in the finale and I was like, okay, like, you know, that's cool to know, whatever. And I would like it just offhandedly. I was like, you know, is it bigger than a bread box? Like, <laughs> like how, like what, what kind of fucking spoiler can that be? You know what I mean? Right. And he and they both kind of thought about it and they were like, yeah, it's bigger than a bread box. And out of fucking nowhere, like like like, you know, Nostradamus touched me, uh, you know, anointed me on the head. And I was like, what? You know, I, I can't help but get this sort of vibe of like Ripley in the exosuit and aliens with like, you know, the, 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 the clamp, you know, arms. Sort of. And 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 Cece and I were there talking with him the whole time. And I said that. And the conversation died. <laughs> And then the conversation ended and they weren't rude or anything, but you yeah. could tell that I had like touched a weird nerve. Yeah. And like, 
I was like, you know, I, I sat, like, I have not publicized this story at all. Like, I did not want, you know, like, even though that was, like, they gave nothing away. Right, right, right. I didn't want to, like, get anyone in trouble. Um, oh, you, you wouldn't. And if, you know, I think it's no secret that Rothenberg and a lot of people who write and work on the show are huge fans of sci-fi Oh, there are so many references. It, to Alien. I had a whole thread on our Twitter account, maybe I'll repost it, about why I decided, like, when we just first, not even saw the show, but, like, promo materials and all that sort of stuff, why this season was actually going to be uh, an homage to the Alien Saga. And mm. th there have been so many moments, and there's actually several that I'm going to call out in this specific episode alone. Um, okay. And Pax actually did confirm that it was that he loved aliens, and that's what the, the those clamps were based on. Like, once the episode aired, he was like, actually, yeah, that was, you know, I love aliens. Um, huge influence <laughs> on me. And I was like, motherfucker, all the that's way back to January, that was my moment. Anyway. That's a good aside. They're not, you could you could totally share that story because they didn't give anything away. It's just funny now in context to know why they were like, okay, bye. Yeah, I was like, motherfucker, what, what, what? The? And so like, of course I pictured Clark on the fucking exo loader. Like, <laughs> like I, I was like, is she, is, is Dioza an alien? Like, is she going to have to like beat her down with like one of those like exosuit things? Like, is she going to use the clamp thing? But no, it was just like a leg, you know, rock crusher, but. Um, you know. There is an alien in her stomach, potentially. It is McCreary. So. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just you know, saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any shaven feelings, Shaheen? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I think I I agree. I'm not a shaven shipper. Um, it was just really fast. I don't have any problem with the torture scenes, but... Um, <laughs> That's fine, too. That's whatever. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's just that they didn't really convince me that these two people it was kind are of into like, each other. Look, they they have shared interests. Look, they're both nerds and they're attractive and they weirdly we're gonna weirdly like linger on their scenes where they're both just staring at each other silent <laughs> like it's a soap opera before we like cut to commercial. Romance. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I appreciate that we'll maybe be moving away from Torture Raven Rays, you know, yes. twenty eighteen. Um, I just, I hope that her awesomeness doesn't get sidelined for romance. No, and I, I like she don't mind them. I think they have a good chemistry. I think it was just the whole, like, I'm torturing him, so I'm going to torture her. And yeah. See, like, I, I, that part of it, the whole, like, for each other thing was like, eh, it's, it's, a, it's a little soon. It's a little, little soon overplayed. for me to be buying that. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I think it's also, like, think about it, on the, on, up on the, uh, on the ring, you had Bellamy and Echo together, you had... Uh, Imori and Murphy, and you had Harper Monty and Raven. So if Raven finally is maybe we'll get some. I headcanon that she and Echo were a thing. I, I mean, look at I think they still might have been. It was a long time. Six <laughs> years is a long time. People it is. A, it is a long time. There's a lot of sexual fluidity when you Plus are. Plus, they're all sexy and young and six years. Yeah, yeah, they're all sexy and young. Yeah. And listen, I, I, whatever. Like, I will ship anything, you know. And I. <laughs> Uh, in terms of space shipping, sorry, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Except for the algae, I can't do that. But um, maybe it's I, delicious. I, maybe it's delicious. I like to think it doesn't taste like kale because kale is, is is Satan and the devil. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> You're a terrible lesbian. I thought all lesbians liked liked kale. I also don't that's, that's play what Lena Luther would have me. So yeah, oh no, I never played softball. I don't have hand eye coordination. Yes. Um. All right. Let's let's move on. Um, yes. Let's let's. We talked a little bit about um Bellamy's break the cycle speech. Um. I see that we've got you know all of us kind of have notes. Um. Oh wait, actually, real quick, 
Echo shooting the air, shoot, shooting the oh. arrow into the thing. That was totally Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, right? It was, and you know, I actually really like that movie. People, it's a 1991. You got to go rent it. It's our 90s movie reference. Of, <laughs> it is. Of it's this. our Kevin Costner reference for the day. Yeah. Um, it's totally Robin Hood um, shooting the arrow. Yeah. With the fire. Listen. The no, shooting the arrow. Like, oh, splitting the, the other one. Splitting the other arrow. Yeah. I have to say that, uh, you know, separately from Bellamy, I love Echo and I always have because she's so complicated. And I, you know, she reminds me of Juliet on Lost because you don't know exactly at any given time whose team she's on. Oh, totally. And, you know, I think there's a depth to her that we've, we got a little bit more this season. And uh, I just love that she's such a badass warrior and she's had to change loyalties. And I believe that she will stay loyal. I do. And I, and I will get to it, but I just feel like, I know there's a lot of people who didn't like her because she was with Bellamy, but if you if you take out the relationship, I, I and fucking look at her love as a Echo. Kid, I fucking love Echo too. And again, I'm friends with Tadja, and that is Bubs is shaking. I know Bubs is from notes. somewhere like across <laughs> in Manhattan. Bubs has just like stood up and been like, "What the fuck is happening? Wait, Something like broke Echo? somewhere in Manhattan. Wait, she's like Echo. Something was oh, thrown at a wall somewhere. Bubs and is a dog is barking in terror. It's it's a whole thing. Bubs is a very large <laughs> Balark shipper, but independent of that, she also just hates Echo. Like, she, I mean, that's. Echo's not exactly like a sunshine and rainbows, so I, I get that. I think that this season finally gave her more meat. It gave yeah. her more to do and show. And, and I feel like she acts a lot through her eyes and her face. Toss, like, exactly. Toss actually plays it in a way that reminds me, starting in season four, the way that she was playing it actually reminded me of, of Lexa in a way, in terms yes. of, like, just this very, like, not, like wonderful subtlety. And I feel like some people don't, the, the, the subtlety is not uh, given as much weight as, you know, I need more backstory. I need to know why she was nasty. So why I should forgive her? Blah right. blah blah. And I'm like, she's, no, she's just cool. I'm, like Clark and Bellamy are both heart on their sleeve. You can see everything on their face. They have no poker face. <laughs> Echo kept things close to the vest, like like grounders did, like different tribes did, like a spy, like a spy, Mother Effa. Yes. Um. Yes. Sorry. So back to back to back to Bellamy. Now that I now that I took us on a little a little uh, Kevin Costner um, yes. adventure. Um. Shaheen, you had um. Let, let's talk a little bit more about about Bellamy and his and his speech or whatever. Sure. You. Um. I don't know how much I really have to say about it. I oh. like the break to cycle speech. Um. It's. I feel like it's about time someone gave that speech, or an effective <laughs> version of it, Fair. on the show. I mean, Kane's been trying <laughs> for a Kane long is so time. ineffective. It's comedic at this point. I love. But him. I. I think it's mainly because I like the idea of breaking the cycle. Um, breaking the cycle is also, you know, the idea behind the fundamental idea behind um, nonviolent protests and mm-hmm. you know, um, nonviolent resistance. And, you know, the idea is that if I do this, if I hit you back because you hit me, then that kind of erases the difference between us. And you might think, no, that's not fair because, like, you get you get to defend yourself. And that's true. But, you know, so you should never tell people that you're not going to defend yourself. But um, but if you are in this constant um, skirmish with someone or you know, country with country or tribe with tribe or whatever, or it could be a personal thing. You can always be the one who stops it. It's not really, it doesn't really matter who started it. It's pointless to start trying to trace it back and, and try to figure out who started it or whose fault it is or who's more at fault. Um, 
it kind of becomes pointless after. Maybe like if you if someone like hurts you and then you hurt them back once, then you then can say even. okay they started it. But when when it goes on for a while, it's like okay who cares who started it? And you know that's one thing that could determine who's more at fault. But you know you could go over what happened over and over and try to figure out who is more at fault. But I think at the end of the day, you should just stop fighting at some point and you say, you know, fuck, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I, I say this about a lot of conflicts in the real world and it kind of makes a lot of my friends upset, you know, because they want to believe that one side is right or wrong. You know, like I say the same thing about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and, you know, any other conflict. I'm like, you can. The it's only gone on solution, long enough that everyone's at, at fault. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. The only solution is to just stop tomorrow and just say, okay, you hit me yesterday, but I'm not going to hit you. And make this clear to your enemy and tell them that, look, if you draw, if you put your weapons down, we'll put it down and then see what happens. Uh, I, I fully support that idea. And now, you know, I love the break the cycle speech because it's 100% influenced by Monty Green, who, remember, also, Bellamy and Monty were close, but they got real close on the ring. I think up in space that the reason, one of the main influences on the new Bellamy, like the new softer side and more confident Bellamy was Monty Green's influence. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's so much Monty in Bellamy's speech, it made me happy. And then for it to come full circle in the finale... Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to start crying again already. I know, with Monty's, you know, obviously choosing one of his BFFs and you know, the Clark was the chosen leader and Bellamy is also now the chosen leader. Mm. And you know, he, he, I think that battlefield break the cycle speech is one of the best the show's ever done. So I've been, I've been bringing this up like all season and it's just sort of funny that he actually like, again, like all the sci-fi shows that, that aired this year. And again, I haven't actually watched this latest season of humans. So Shaheen, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Cause I can't really imagine that it would make sense in on humans, but the expanse uh-huh. 12 monkeys, um, this, uh, shit, there was one more. Um, all of them are like, mm-hmm. break the cycle. Like uh-huh. that's, that's the, like, that's all of their themes. Um, in, in, in this year's specific episodes. Oh, uh, into the badlands also fucking breaking the cycle. It's, like it's comical now. I'm watching these shows and I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me again? Again with this? Are you guys in There cahoots? is some of that on humans. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sure. So I guess I guess that's the thing. I like it you. though. It's very relevant yeah. to it's, real life. For yeah. sure. Uh, I have one small criticism yes. of the, the battle scene. It was a bit jarring to go from Commander Maddie saying, We can't lead our people into a massacre and shortly thereafter it was like kill, kill them, all. them all. Yeah. And and I get it. Is that a chip but, thing? I, I I was gonna say because Lexa illustrated a similarly complicated our people first and then kill the bad guys with the guns. So, I mean, it's Clark, it's Lexa, it's all of the commanders dating back to Becca. It's complicated. And again, I, I feel like she's still getting a grasp on how to manage the mm-hmm. flame in her head. And so that's what I attribute it to. When I get um, frustrated by an inconsistency, I have to go, she's 12, she has new technology, she's still reading the instruction Her manual. body's changing, everything's weird. She doesn't know I mean, what's going on. Do commanders get... Never mind, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Um, listen, <laughs> she's still reading the instruction manual and there are a lot of small print. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of the... It's not... It's like the knockoff kind... Like, have you ever... Tr- so, I'm fine building Ikea furniture. The instructions are actually pretty much fine. But then you go to, like, a different brand of, like, bullshit furniture and they're not Ikea and they do not <laughs> understand how to make those instructions work. And you're like, 
what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. Yeah, um, pretty much. In yeah. her head, she's 12. You know the ones that don't use any words and think that their drawings are super... <laughs> sufficient. You're expressive like, of what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's always an adventure. Yeah. Um, so I, I did want to talk about McCreary just a little bit because as far as a villain moti- like a, a, a villain's um, motivation goes, his like... Uh, if I can't have this valley like no one can, you're like, really? Like, it, it was almost comical in his sort of, like, one-dimensionalness. And and I think you and I were joking about this, Joe, uh, yeah. earlier, that, like, is is this, like, he's, like, this twirling mustache villain. And, like, is it is it a meta-commentary yeah. on, like, white toxic masculinity? Like, is that, <laughs> like... He could easily be the worst villain on the show because like they're, that's usually what the show is go- good with is having layered villains and you know so yeah even pike had more yeah. layers you know um this definitely just, even even Antari had more layers like you're just gonna destroy the livable land cage wallace had more layers yeah because you're I a mean, dick he's a uh, he's a prisoner he's a criminal he's got the worst haircut ever on <laughs> uh, earth or in space He's and very emo, Joe. He's I, got... I, I told William, I'm like, your delivery was delicious. I mean, we, I said, you make... Oh, Cage... he was so fun to watch. He was. I'm like, you made Cage Wallace look like a wuss. Like, you you, it, you were super fun to watch, but you were he was mustache twirly. Yeah. Like, where yeah. I was just like, the, like, like, what's your plan, sir? Like, you want this whole valley? I have looked at your... Pr- like, we talk about this on the, on the pod, like, previously. We have looked at your demographics. <laughs> This doesn't end well for you. Like, no. you have a, a gender ratio problem. Right. And you can't solve that, like, when one crew is dead. So yeah. like, Now you be- now you want to talk about the science of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I always do. We You're just- always like, uh, to forget the science. Yeah, but, like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of stupid. Why would you destroy... The last survival and threatening line on to Earth. kill Dioza as soon as the baby's born. Do you have formula? <laughs> like, yeah. sorry, Shaheen. I more That's issues. That's amazing. Sorry, <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, like I said, a lot of things were just like we want this to happen, so it's gonna happen now. That's how I feel. Like that, the, this, yeah. He had to be like destroy it all because we needed to get them all in space. Right. I feel like this whole season was just a setup for season six. This wasn't the reset. The season six is going to be the reset. Yes. Yeah. I know that you have to suspend your disbelief on this show more than most shows. Um, so I just tried at face value to accept McCreary as a straight up villain. Evil. Who is going to do terrible things and deliver lines like a mustache twirling villain in a cartoon. <laughs> okay. But I love it. And I love it. I mean, he was, he was super fun. Um, yes. I'm, you know... You, you get face stomped by Clark. Apparently, like she's gotten dark in the way that she kills people these days. Dark Clark. Dark Clark. The return of Dark Clark. I mean, she uh, could have shot him in the Clark. face, but she took her boot to his face. Right? Like, <laughs> damn, dude. And like, she's and, short, and so like, yeah. to get enough leverage, like, she probably had to go really hard. Anger is quite a lever. Oh, that's <laughs> deep. Uh, also, a lot of people were confused, like they because they didn't show him dead. People were wondering if he was alive. And they put him in cryo. No, he gone. He dead. He dead. It's um, just a shame, but like I get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope I hope that we get to keep you know Sean Dioza at 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 least because they you know they did have layers and we don't often get sort of layered antagonists. 
Um, and, and we'll get there, but basically Dioza will have been pregnant for 126 years. That's just, that's just mean. And if she was pregnant... No, it's actually 200. I was going to say, wait, yeah, she found out she was pregnant before in cryo, after she got out of cryo yeah. the first time. You're right. So 226, 226 years seems like the worst pregnancy ever. Yeah, that's like longer <laughs> than an elephant. So that Dude, kid, that kid is going to like not want to do anything it's going to be the laziest kid in the world and it's gonna be dad like... is mccreary it's gonna be born with a terrible haircut it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a criminal anyway um do you guys want to talk about the evacuation and then take a break or take a break and then evacuation uh, evacuation okay um yeah so let's i i didn't have a better word for it than evacuation crew um I feel like we got uh, an Echo uh, and Bellamy reunion. We got, um, you know, some some crazy shit being said uh, between, you know, other characters. We had some Maddie and Bellamy stuff. Um, let's start with the Echo and Bellamy, and then we'll move into, um, you know, some others, okay. I guess. And I, I will start and say that with all due respect to whoever you ship, I'm going to say the following. <laughs> and I want to tread lightly because I respect everybody. I do. I honestly, if you treat other... Um, human beings of this family with kindness. I honestly don't give a shit who you ship as long as you talk about it constructively. That's all. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I just, I, for, I have hopes for season six that I, I honestly hope they handle the Echo and Bellamy relationship with respect. Regardless of whether or not they stay together, I, I can see a world in which they do stay together. Yeah. But also, it seems likely that conflict is going to happen now that they're all reunited with their different people. Mm-hmm. They can call themselves family and they're people now but they're subsets that have reappeared and i'm not just talking about clark i'm talking about all the former uh tribes and clans from earth are going to be back with and echo. maybe echo will be super jealous of sean raven because she still got maybe. she still has feelings for raven that just could, saying that could totally be a twist we did not see coming that would be a good uh, boom jason if you're listening <laughs> just putting that out there i know that you guys start filming so there's plenty of time to like get this in there like a little bit mid-season i'm just exactly uh, I think there will be new politics and there will be new small clans that form, whether secretly or out in the open. So I'm glad they didn't resort to a quick breakup between Bellamy and Echo. Uh, after he learned about Clark's radio calls for six years, that would be every other show. And that was easy. not the time, Maddie. No. Okay, so yeah, I was going to say, Maddie telling Bellamy about Clark's calls was fine. It's obviously fan service. I, I, people would have preferred Clark telling him yeah. about calling him. I just found, I don't mind that she told him, but the timing was odd. It was There's, clunky. There's zero time left. There's no follow-through. They have to run on the ship. Maybe in 127 years out of cryo to discuss it. But one of my biggest frustrations with Lost, I share with this show. The lead characters never talk. They never share essential information. And whether or not you root for uh, Bellamy and Clark on an amazing friendship level and leadership level like I do, or whether you ship them romantically, all that matters is that they don't talk. I think we can all agree on that. I totally share the fan issues. Yeah, I mean... Yes. 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 Uh, Shaheen, you also had 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 a note. <laughs> you just said sigh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. I mean that um, again. Like they didn't they didn't even have one conversation. That what kind of fucking like how <laughs> how that's not forgiving. How do like you can't just be like oh thanks for the tip, Maddie. Um, yeah, I'm gonna forgive her now. That's not how it works. Like if yeah, she left him to die once in the pit, and then another she betrayed them another time, and you know led to the death of the majority of their people. Um, I don't know. It's you can't just like 
get over that because she called you every day or whatever. I don't know. Um, it, there, more was needed. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if so. I necessarily, like, I don't know if I buy that, excuse me, Bellamy, like, had actually forgiven her. I think it was more, and, like, saying that, you know, the commander told me not to. I kind of read that as, like, we're going to do this as, like, a bit of a reset, like... I feel guilty that I left you like, you know what? I, like, I, I hope that they still hash it out, but I don't view it as like Bellamy actually like f- completely forgave her. Like they, you know, now is also not the time for them to hash that out kind of a thing. Yeah. Maybe this will come up. I mean, this is one of the things that's great about this show is that, you know, the actions usually have long-term consequences. So yeah. maybe so, we'll have a conversation yeah. under, under two sons. Mm. Well, yeah, we'll see. Okay, two things. Okay. Uh, one, when they wake up in cryo, and I hope everyone understands that it's 125 years later, but their minds are intact and everything that they just experienced is still going to be fresh. So <laughs> the feelings of whether it be anger, sadness, reconciliation, I think that they're all pretty much there. I don't, it's not like they've had 125 years to actually reflect. Yeah. Their minds stayed exactly intact. And which gets, we forgot to talk about that with the flame too. Like how is that going to be affected? It, it, it wasn't actually intact the whole time and inactive, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, the other thing is I, <laughs> Damn, I will Ikea say. manual of, of no, the flame. No, no offense, Jason, or maybe I mean offense, but I've never cringed more than when Clark delivered the line, you're not mad at me. I was like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Clark no, would no, not no. say that. Also, No. Yeah, there were just, there was just <laughs> like the, the, the character moments and conversations that people, everyone was like, fuck this shit. We need this in the finale. I'm fucking tired of this. It's like we got them, <laughs> but like it was, it was, it was real clunky. Okay. That being said, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and say that the time between Bellamy and Clark, um, getting in, getting everyone on board and getting them changed into uh-huh. cryo, there was obviously some time. It also, we haven't seen any of the conversations there. Obviously, they've had a plenty of time after meeting um, Monty and Harper's kid. I think yeah. that there, there obviously have been conversations that they're not they're going to consider an exposition that you know most writers would consider mm-hmm. uh, when two lead characters talk and explain what they've talked about exposition. Whereas in this particular show, in this fandom, people really need to hear these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. That's just my perspective. Uh, is this, is yeah, this like I mean, a there's, warning or? There's always, you know, show, don't tell issues. No, um, I mean, that's yeah. just like a wish list. Like I share fan general, generally speaking, fan frustration with the lack of conversation. I'm not seeking closure. I'm seeking conversations sure. that are essential to the forward movement of the lead characters. Yes. Like, and yes. I mean, though it was interesting that we got so many little conversations. Like we had a quick reckoning with Octavia and Abby that really right. was very short. Like that, that should have been longer, you know, like yes. that was fuck. Like I, you made me do that. Like you also had a hand in me turning into a fucking monster. <laughs> and then Abby being like, Kane knew I'm like, who gives a shit? I'm still mad at me personally, Joe. I am still mad at Kane. Like he is still on my list, but like, it was like this weird. So what? So what if Kane knew, like, what is that? I don't understand the resolution. Like, Kane knew and still blamed Octavia for the horrible shit. And Octavia has, like, never been moderate in anything that she's ever done. So, like, them just pile, him just piling shit on top of Octavia, uh, you know, like. uh, uh, (laughs) That's that's fair. 
that's fair. <sighs> now, again, you guys are listening to a podcast where we pretty much love this episode, but we are being constructive with criticism of things that we found frustrating. Oh, yeah. Like, we, the acting is always top-notch. Like, we have, there's amazing things that, that, that have been good and that we've talked about that, yeah, like... Our listeners are. I, I forgot that you're actually probably going to bring some some new people to this bullshit. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry if you've made it this far. No, they're like amazing shit. I think. I think what it is is that like people's expectations for a finale are like through the fucking roof always. Yeah. And especially like you know we get into like a cyclical like hype train on the internet and like you know Reddit and Twitter and previews and promos that come out and you know. I think that shit was also probably pretty fucking stirred up with um, that fucking CW leak that happened. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, um, but they're, you know, they basically like leaked a huge amount of the like, you know, when they wake up from cryo finale. And so, you know, there was expectation in that. Um, but, you know, we have these sort of we love the show and love where the where the story is going. And it's just kind of like these are things where it's like, hey, don't don't forget about this stuff. It's it's important. Right. If you guys didn't love the show, you wouldn't do a podcast about it. God, no. And like, I wouldn't be watching it. I mean, I'm certainly like, I'm just like every other fan. I get up and scream at my TV at certain things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. we spent two and a half hours talking about something that's 40 minutes. Yeah. Right. Like, I, you know, yeah. I, I just don't care for it. Like, are you right. kidding me? <laughs> right, right. But I, I, I digress. I mean, and, and we haven't talked much about team adults, but I'm fucking team adults. Like, maybe because I'm really. Are you, are you being sarcastic? Or? No, I mean, I I am. I, okay, Indra is my MVP this season. Dude, Indra, Adina Porter did an amazing job this Fuck. season. Fuck. She always does, but they finally gave her more. Which put her on my death watch, and I was terrified because, you know, like, you give someone amazing, like, amazing material, and they do amazing shit with it, and you're like, oh, Fuck. Here's the thing. No one, everyone's already forgotten. No one cares that Jaha's gone. Um, sorry, Isaiah, you were great. I know. Um, like, it's honestly they mentioned him, and then what's his name yeah. got killed. So, right. It, it, I mean, frankly, the way it ended, it's inconsequential, and it'll be interesting to see if anyone took after Jaha. None um, of this shit would have happened if Jaha, like Blood Reina, never would have right. happened if Jaha. Yeah, can I just say like that 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 cannibalism scene in the um, cafeteria? Like, yeah. if Jaha was alive, he would have totally solved that with the speech. He would have just like. <laughs> Given a speech where everyone would just be biting on that flesh like it's let's like that's, it's candy. That's, it's that's true. true. Yeah. Like yeah. Jaha I mean, was the best leader. No, no bloodshed. No one had to die. No one had to like become a cult member. Um, That'd be yeah. a pretty boring show, though. <laughs> oh wait, he's gone. No, I mean, listen. I again, I am I am friendly with both Ian and Paige, and I am closer to age than the other actors on the show, and I have been friends with through other endeavors besides the hundred, so I root for them as human beings and I think that Paige gave a hundred million percent. She season. was ridiculous and this season. It was season. brutal to watch and I think that a lot of people who haven't experienced an addiction that affects you physically and emotionally that way, maybe I'm not I'm not saying that you can't relate, but I'm just saying that didn't maybe play well for certain people. And I understand that. I also understand how it was very triggering and challenging for people who have experienced uh, addiction and um I think that they handled it with the brutality they needed to in a post-apocalyptic world and the unflinching close-ups that I think Paige did her best work. She, yeah. I mean, again, any, like, that's the other thing. Like, any kind of critique that we ever really give on this show is it's never the performances. Like, right. this show, especially for an ensemble cast, and I will say, 
on the CW, I feel like that is something that does bear speaking to because, you know, some shows are cast a little bit better than others. Um, this show, like, everyone is so fucking good. Like, fucking Kara Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> like, rando Kara Cooper, like, who is dead and I'm still sad about it because, you know, the 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 crazy cult lady that they had, you know, quote unquote, replace her. Like, no, you are not my Kara Cooper. Like, yeah. But even crazy cult lady, I believed her as crazy cult lady. So, you know, everyone, everyone does such a good job and it's delightful. I I am biased, but I will say that just from what I've, uh, you know, talked to the actors and and interviewed them at Unity Days and Khan again and other, and being friends with them, it's just like there is a legacy of leadership among the original actors from the show that when they're very welcoming to guest casts and to character actors that aren't in every episode. And I think that that environment really elevates the performances of everybody. I mean, it it shows. It yeah. it really shows. Um, I uh, I feel like we need to also say that uh, pretty much every department does a great job on this show, including the writing staff. So I don't. I mean, there's a lot. That, like no one person really controls um, everything that happens on the show. I guess yeah. maybe other than Jason. So um, you know, we're not. I'm not really saying that like people who wrote these specific episodes should be no. criticized for what happened. No, 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 but I think that they would appreciate constructive criticism because no one's perfect, but certainly none of us would ever deign to write an episode of television or think that we are capable of it. And so we have the utmost respect for writers of most television shows, and like this is just, this is our paying homage to their work by deconstructing it in a way that is constructive. Yeah, I'm just being like... Yeah, this. and I also think that a lot of our criticisms can be reduced to a few fundamental issues that... We're just kind of everything else is just kind of downstream from that. I feel like maybe a couple of uh, questionable decisions were made about the overall arc of the season, arc. Uh, and a lot of things were forced. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, what? Just just punning over here. A lot of puns. Sorry. Oh, for the yeah. arc. Yep, yep. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, and and so yeah, the the overall arc of the season, and, and now that we know what's going to happen next season. It's, you know, clearly a lot of it was in service mm-hmm. to that. They were pretty much, you know, gearing up to get rid of the earth. And a lot of things I feel like were forced um, just to help that plot along. And I see this conversation that we were having about their, you know, missing stuff on the screen. Like we need them. We need to see them talk, you know, and stuff. Stuff like that. I see that as being of a piece with um, the issues that I had with the plot also. Because I think they're both just instances of the story being convincing. Or, you know, this goes back to the Aristotle quote that I read uh, in episode two, I think, where, you know, and Aristotle mentions both character and plot. He says that, you know, the story needs to feel like uh, it's necessarily or at least likely to follow from this character or the, these set of circumstances um, that, you know, such and such an event would happen. And, you know, whenever it's just kind of like, oh, we need this to happen now. We don't have time to really um, kind of make it persuasive that this is going to happen. And we're just going to, you know, you're just going to have to accept it. I feel like Bellamy forgiving Clark is an example of that, but also like, they didn't explain the whole cannibalism thing well. And, you know, I was complaining about this 
few episodes yeah, like ago. The rest of Space Crew but doesn't know. It's not necessarily a character thing, but it's, I think, the same issue, which is, well, you needed to really make me feel like this was really a choice between, you know, letting everyone starve or die versus, like, I have to shoot some people or do something horrible. Right. It wasn't clear to me that that had to happen. And so that needed and that could have happened also with a few lines of conversation like just go through the options this is after that episode i was ta- i was thinking why is it that i find mount weather or tandy seem more convincing and one of the reasons is they went through some of the alternative options and they ruled them out for one reason or another or, or they tried it and it failed so um you would at least feel like, okay, they at least tried some other things and now they're just desperate and they're going to do this horrible thing. And that feels like a real dilemma. Mm-hmm. Where as opposed to like, okay, like why didn't Clark I need this character to do this horrible thing versus <laughs> otherwise everyone will die. Well, you know, I need to really feel like that's really going to happen. You know, anyway, so I feel like a lot of our, I mean, a lot of my criticisms anyway, they kind of boil down to one or two fundamental decisions that were made. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. but you know, again, if, if we if we didn't like the show, we probably wouldn't be spending, you know, hours and hours and hours yeah. a week rewatching and then analyzing the shit out right. of it. Right. Um let's see, who who else here? Um you had a note here about Mamori, Shaheen? And I guess I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> whatever. I think I think people I'm like a memory it. shipper. I guess if there's one ship that I ship is memory. And I, whatever, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I think Joe, you have more notes on that. I yeah. I I guess like like is Amori dickmatized? Like I don't understand. <laughs> like I get it. Murphy is charming. He's lovable. He's a scamp. He does good stuff. He's great. But at the same time, I'm just like, girl, have some self respect. Like he's been kind of a mean? dick Let's... to you. I, I get that, but I also know I know they've had a tumultuous time, and I didn't love you know the reasoning for the, their his behavior on the ship, and I you know the whole like oh he's not feeling busy, so he's an asshole to you. Okay, but um, there's something about them. Maybe it's their you know Richard and Louise's chemistry. Maybe I think about her uh, you know her environment before she came across Murphy, and her being an outcast, and her never being a part of a crew, and. I assume never find finding love. It's certainly like this. I feel like it's not that he's the only one. It's just that he's the one for her. And I think that you, he's her, he's her person. He's her lobster. Um, (laughs) Oh, he's, he's her, butter. he's her dram of butter. Yes. (laughs) I feel like Murphy's characters kind of stuff sometimes suffers from the fact that like Murphy is not a very articulate person. So we don't get to hear his perspective really, or when we do, it's just like this snarky right. bullshit that kind of, you know, because like we got to hear Amori's perspective, and it it kind of sounded like it was Murphy's fault, right. but but uh, you know, there's it takes two to haggle, so I mean, right. who knows? Yeah, I, I do think that I feel like she wasn't really being nice to him either. So right, I I, I do <laughs> yeah. think they love each other, and I don't think they would have left one another on Earth. To no. Die. No. Um, I think that they obviously have some things to work out after cryo. <laughs> Maybe they'll talk. Who knows? Maybe Who knows what season yeah. six will bring? Maybe they'll have a talk. They'll have a conversation. It'll be great. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of root for them. And I know that's what shipping is about. And I know I say I don't ship. But I, I do root for them in some Secret capacity. Secret shipper. Maybe. Um, 
also my wife Lisa loves Louisa thinks she's her favorite like when we did you know uh when I was moderating the panels at uni days Lisa would be like oh when's Louisa when's Louisa coming on stage I'm like okay listen I get it I get it you love is it Lamori or Louisa no I'm just kidding um so we have a soft spot for Imori of course but I don't know I I I don't know I I don't have too much of a problem with it I just for some reason it chapped it chapped my hide that she had to say the man that I love maybe because I, I don't know who said it first Abby or Imori I think I Amori like, said it and then Abby said it after and you're like and I was like oh okay that's a little on the nose and also Captain Obvious um and their actions speak louder than words on the hundred yeah like I like we know Abby like yeah we know yeah like, but I can also understand where people who root for Clark and Bellamy romantically are frustrated because all they want is for those two to have a conversation where you have Imori and Abby saying out loud about the men they love. And I feel like that's not an FU to them, but what it is, is, yeah, I know. Is it I like know. putting them in their place? I don't know. I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about it because I feel for the fans who feel hurt and for the ones who articulate it in a constructive way Is i mean that- as a non as, as a platonic bullark shipper i will totally say that that this season read the most potentially romantic bullark of seasons for me right and so i can definitely see if i am a shipper who does ship them romantically and does watch every single fucking scene and cut and frame and everything and you know like over analyzing them and like you know being like Right. This is this is real. This is, you know, this is obvious. If you're seeing this, you know, then I'm not crazy. And so, no, you weren't crazy. Um, you know, did I think necessarily that it would happen this season? I'm not sure. But, you know, uh, it's I could definitely see how they, you know, had had large amounts of disappointment with um, yeah. with certain resolutions. It just it just stood out to me, the whole declaration of love thing, because I just felt it was absolutely unnecessary because we know. Yeah, we know. This is not the character. This is not the character talks that we needed. Right, right. So, yeah, do it. Yeah, we can move on, though. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone knows how we feel. <laughs> um, let's see. Clark pulled a fucking lever. <laughs> At least it was a good one. Because, you know, yay. She saved people with a lever. Hooray. I mean, um, listen, she saved more than 300, so not that there's a balance out there, but I think it's good. Do we, okay, so this seemed, uh, do we really think, like, I'm not saying that Bellamy is dumb by any means, but, like, don't we think that Clark would have thought of the cryo thing, like, already? I think that maybe they talked about it and he just brought it up in the meeting. Like, I don't think it was his idea. I think that they had talked about it. No, no, when, when they were when they were having their forgiveness talk or whatever uh, uh, in, in the thing, and, and, oh, and Bellamy was like, what about cryo for Kane? And Clark was like, oh my God, that might just work. I'm like, girl, okay. like... To be fair, Bellamy had been on that ship longer than her and knew mm. about... And I oh, I like forgot that, was, that Clark hadn't been on the yeah, ship. Yeah, it's her first time on the ship. God damn it. All right, well, so much for <laughs> I'm that. Just, I'm just playing Are devil's advocate. Are we doing cryo yeah. crew? Uh, well, we're, we're going to do Octavia and Dioza, um, just because, yes. like, that was another significant talk, and then we'll take a little break, and then we'll do Cryo Crew. How's that? Great, great. Great, great? Great. All right. Octavia and Dioza. Like I said, I think that was a very specific scene, you know? Like, sure, we'd like Clark and Raven to talk, and we want Octavia and Raven and Octavia and Clark to talk, but, like, what an interesting dynamic to have two former leaders that are on the outs. And bonding. who tried to kill each other. Yeah, and when they wake up out of Cryo... Who knows? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> did, you, did you care about that conversation at all, Shaheen? I have issues with uh, 
people just being just like allowed to roam around after they committed atrocities. Like, <laughs> so you're like, these two I, fuckers are dangerous. Put them in the brig. Like, yeah, I mean, I, this is like back in season two when um, Finn did the whole massacre, like he killed 18 people. Everyone was like, how come everyone is letting him, you know, letting him be? And how come, you know, they forgave him or whatever? Uh, and Clark really didn't really ever forgive him for that. Um, whereas now it's like, you can do whatever and people are like, all right, well, I guess it happens. We're running low on handcuffs. Like, I was saying, yeah, it's like been Clark, six years, dude. He, they are like, they're the capacity is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatevs. I feel like, like everyone should be like sitting Clark down now that they're on the ship and be like, okay, what the fuck happened with you? Like, you know, <laughs> everyone is like, all right, well, I guess, yeah, you took their side. I guess it happens. And then, you know, Octavia is just like sitting there anyway. Dude, so I feel on, like it happened yeah. on Lost. They were separated. No one ever talked about what happened to each other. Which is, and, like, yeah. I would be like, so, Maddie. <laughs> like, <laughs> listen, I, I, season six, I know there's going to be a lot of sci fi and I dig it. What we as fans, I think, are seeking is conversations. You might think it's like maybe while they're in transit, maybe while they're like coming down to earth, just, you know. Yeah. I just mean like in terms of like them being mad at Clark, like everyone should be pissed at Clark now (laughs) and Kane, but I mean, Kane is in the coma. So I can still, when he wakes up to it, like people should be like, what the fuck dude? Like what the fuck happened? Like what, what is maybe, maybe they have like a, like, like they, everyone sits around, there's a talking stick and it's called the, what the fuck dude stick. And like you yeah. get past the stick, and then you get to what the fuck, dude, at at someone in the circle, and you know it's yeah, and then same with uh, I feel have... like same with Octavia, Dioza. Everyone should just get a what the fuck session. They all have their cross um, to bear, whether they had to eat people or fight people. And I feel like we just need. I'm not seeking resolution. I am seeking conversation, and it's not just Bellamy and Clark. It's every effing character, right? Like maybe it, Raven being like, so can we try that reunion again, Clark? And she'll be like, I guess. Yes, yeah. Sorry yes. about that. But then they did the secret winky winky, non-winky. Like, I know. Take, take and I got my, my fucking princess mechanic feels up again. And I'm like, don't <laughs> play with me like that, Jason. You know, you know that those buttons are easy to push. It's hard when people have chemistry with every person who walks and breathes because you ship everybody with everybody. I, or just, you know, like I just love even their dynamic, but like, I feel like there was some something on, um, I think after 512 that was just like, listen, fandom, Princess Mechanic, like that was that was something that we hoped and dreamed for, like in season one. And it really hasn't been there since then. And like just fandom's hopes and dreams have been keeping their friendship alive. And you're like, oh, it's kind of true. They still have a very complicated history with Finn, so... It's complicated, yeah. everyone. Yes. No, I mean, I, I didn't mean to derail the conversation, but I no, think no. that literally what I think that... I think that maybe writers probably go, it's too boring to have a conversation episode. Give us a bottle episode with Kumbaya in a circle. Right? Like, that's kind yeah. of... I, I mean, I know that it wasn't a bottle episode. Well, it... it like ever so slightly in terms of episode two, where we got the first sort of idea of yeah. what, of what the, the bunker was like, we obviously like they, they decided to tease us all season with the fucking cannibal shit. But like, at least we got the one episode where you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like give <laughs> yeah. us bottle episodes. Those are fun. Yeah. And I, I mean, assume they're going to do some flashbacks. They kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? We don't even fucking know. Maybe none of our cast is going to be on the fucking show and they just deplayed <laughs> and you're like, weird, cryo for 127 years makes everyone but Clark and Bellamy look weird. Like, <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, so yeah, I, I was just saying that <laughs> I have, I, no, no problem at all. I have, um, so yeah, I have issues with like people just being forgiven um, right away. And I mean, like even Pike, that was kind of, they let him be after the whole thing. It was kind of because they were in extenuating circumstances and it was like a, you know, emergency situation, right? Once they were done with the City of Light, Octavia killed uh, him. Octavia executed Pike and she was like, well, dude killed a bunch of people. Like, you know, you can't just let him be. I'm not saying execute them, uh, but just like, I don't know. Maybe you don't get to wander the corners. Maybe like, I don't know. What if like Octavia starts like running around and like riling people up again? Or I don't see it. I don't know. Like, you know, you don't know what they're going to do. Right. So. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. But other than that, I feel like it's a little, maybe this is what happens. If you're like at, in the heat of the moment and you're in that position, in that situation, uh, you're the, you know leader of this group and you're just blindsided and you know focus on one thing and maybe then if you fail and you're given a chance to think about you're not in that position of power anymore you're you're just some normal person you you're given time to think about what happened maybe you would immediately see the mistake um i don't know like i don't know how hitler felt that last moments i i don't think he regretted what he did but anyway um so like it those types of i i don't know what happens to those types of characters if they're taken away from the situation and just like put someplace maybe in jail or not even necessarily just like be like okay you're you're not the leader anymore no one listens to you anymore do they immediately see what they did as wrong or do they do they does it, you know, do they just still feel like, no, I did, um, I did the I think right we, thing. We saw Octavia have that moment um, with Indra and Bellamy and Gaia on the battlefield, like the moment that she was like, I broke one crew. Um, yeah, it was too quick. It was, it was very quick. <laughs> we, need, we need more. We need more uh, reflection. Yeah. Like, how did she come to that conclusion? So, like, the whole time people were, were trying to get her to see that. People were like, dude what the fuck and she's like no i'm doing this and then all of a sudden yeah and so that I, as much as i like to um two serpents yeah. one garden two serpents uh, i don't see how octavia would come to see the mistake of her ways so quickly well she's precocious shaheen i think <laughs> offering to sacrifice her life to save her brother and indra and gaia and then not having to give up her life after all, and then trying to start the beginning of a reparation with her brother. I think she's finally an ounce of her humanity has seeped through, and maybe this is just wishful thinking. And I'm not saying that she's going to go out apologizing. Sorry, I made you eat your brother. You know, things like that to some soldiers. But I think that she's not going to forgive herself, so it's going to be hard for others to forgive her. This show does like a good self-pity redemption arc. Amen, sister. Like, Yeah. (laughs) Um, do we have anything else on that, uh, before we take a break? Nope. Uh, all right. Like five minutes, guys? Is that three minutes? Okay. Pee break? Pee break. Okay. Okay. All right. So welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're about to start, uh, talking about the cryo crew. Um, but because this is like my last moment to talk about, uh, my aliens bullshit, um, these are the last two references that I was able to see on the show. Um, there was a conversation when Maddie is being put, well, when Clark is putting Maddie into the cryo sleep bit and, 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 and Maddie asks, will we dream? Will we dream? 
I don't know. But if we do, I'll see you in mine. And if you guys have ever seen uh, Aliens, um, Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, adopts um, a, a little urchin orphan girl named Newt. And at the very end of the movie, they're going into their hypersleep pods, which look really fucking similar. And Matt and Nudie, excuse Nudie, Matt, <laughs> Newt, <laughs> a.k.a. Maddie, asks, can I dream? And Ripley oh. says, yes, honey, I think we both can. Sleep tight. Can I dream? Sonny, I think we both can. And I was like, I see you, Jason. I see you liking aliens. I like it. And then, and then, this is my last one. Um, if you listen to, the, I, and I kind of want to tweet out at Tree Adams just to see if this was like actually on purpose or if I'm just like drinking my aliens Kool-Aid. The music that's playing when Clark wakes up, that sort of like soft classical music that's like a little bit different than kind of the more of the n- normal scores that we get with this show. Like it's, it's yeah. very... Um, like fairy-like and fluttery and dream-like in in a way. Um, it sounds very, very similar to uh, Jerry Coldsmith, uh, who who composed um, yes. the music at the beginning of the original Alien movie. When we see their hyper hyper pod sleeper tubes open, it's like this very <laughs> slow, dreamlike uh, classical piece. So I, I, I might tweet out to Tree Adams and see if that was that was a thing. Um, I like it. Anyway, those were like pretty fucking overt, especially the one about dreaming. Um, but let's talk about um, fucking cryo crew who went to sleep and Clark and 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 Bellamy woke up and saw a, a stranger. Surprise. Um, yeah. Did you guys guess that that was that was where it was going? No. Um, and I love that I was unspoiled, to be honest. And I know that there were spoilers yeah. out there and there were images out there. And yeah. like, I didn't have context, so I just tried not to read into it and I didn't read anything. And I'm an anti-spoiler, as you know. Um, I will say before we get to the Cockroach Bellamy, if yeah. that's okay. Of course. I'm fascinated by the flame and I have a conspiracy theory. Ooh. As you know, the Allegis and all of those ships were part of, I mean, they, they had the same, they have the infinity symbol on the side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My conspiracy theory is that Allie is in the mainframe of the ship. Yep. And while <laughs> Maddie was asleep, oh. she accessed the flame. Oh, shit. That's my hope for season six. <laughs> Interesting. I kind of went with that because Allegis 3 was part of, you know, the same sort of likely corporate thing, that what if they had their own sort of proto-Allie? 
Um, or if Allie maybe beamed herself through space at this point because, you know, fuck. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it seems like Becca was somehow involved with the with Allegis 3. So because, what yeah, if, right, so. what if, because Jason even mentioned in an interview, like, it could look like anything. They've been there for 200 years. Like, it could look like Manhattan. What if whoever, whatever benevolent AI that Allegis 3 has actually had them build the fucking city of light? Huh. Like that that was their like sit like Clark gets off the off the you know off whatever little space pod when they when they go on the planet she's like motherfucker are you kidding huh. me with this shit like and it's real like what if it's what if it's real anyway sorry I, I kind of hope it isn't just because also the whole season people would say well where's Lexa oh right and that's fine yeah uh, you know what I of course would yeah. love to see her again as well for many reasons yeah however. I, I mean, I, I, I meant like a physical city of like, I know, like, like the architecture plans. Like here's like, Vancouver where we film. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah. the new planet, it's going to be, uh, you know, wow, this looks a lot like Vancouver. Right. <laughs> the, as, as I gave you my spoiler, I mean, I spoiler, my um, preview wish list for season six. What if the twist is that it's Raven? That there's still a little bit of that leftover in Raven and she gets to Raven. Oh, dang. Because Raven also can run the ship. Yeah. Shit. I don't know. Shit. Maybe I'm just, I'm a total conspiracy theorist. <laughs> and, I, and I want that. I want the flame because it's controversial to be used in a way that's unexpected. Right? Like, I, I do think that the time of the commanders will end. But that said, yes. like, you still have a robot human girl who can, like, do cool shit. Like, right. let's not forget that. Like, that's some cool shit. Yeah. Um, yeah I would I would love Erica Serra for season yes. six. Gosh, yeah. she's so good. We should make, we should make, like, signs and like, go protest <laughs> in front of CW, like... I'll, I'll see you Sarah after for Sarah for season six. Um, you you have a death list here, Shaheen. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna geek out over all these dates if that's okay. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> so when Monty is talking uh, and and those um, uh, memoirs that he took, the video his vlog, blog, Monty's his vlog, vlog. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can see the date under, like, on the bottom right corner of the screen. I need fucking glasses. And it's <laughs> it's not the the date that it's actually that date. So because the the ship, it seems like it's some. Uh, well, so okay, it seems like according to my calculations, <laughs> the ship left the Earth some twenty four years before the apocalypse because. The first apocalypse, because the first apocalypse happened in 2052. This is canon. So 2052 is when Ali launched the bombs. And okay, but this ship now, okay, the date on this ship, the first year, the year that they go to sleep is 2156, according to Monty's vlog. Okay. Um, so, but that, so that can't be right. Um, because, right, so it... If you add 126 to 2052, it's it's more than 2156. So uh, math is hard. So we're just gonna go with yeah. We're we're saying. trusting you on this one, Shaheen. So <laughs> that means that the ship left the Earth before the apocalypse, and you can you can subtract it and figure out how many years. It's 24 years. So they left the Earth 24 years, and so then you need to add 97 years to all of this because uh, 97 years happened on the arc and then you have to add six years for the time jump somehow like i guess i don't know the ship was turned off and the clock wasn't count 
ticking. I don't know. So their clock isn't showing the ninety-seven. It was so. the Y two K bug, Shaheen. So <laughs> we just we just didn't know what happened hundreds of years late. Yeah. Sorry. So I guess like I guess you have to add like twenty-four and then ninety-seven, and that would be the actual date that's that when they they arrive or when they go to sleep. Sorry, when they go to cryosleep. Anyway, so they go to cryosleep. So I'm going to say, quote, all these dates are quoted because you have to add 6, 97, and 24 to it. So how much is that? <laughs> 121, something yeah. like that. Sure. So, okay. But quote, unquote, 2156 is the year when they go to sleep. Uh, and then 2158 is when Jordan is born. Um 2184, Monty and Harper are 50, but they look 70. <laughs> how how old is Jordan supposed to be? I never really understood that. Like, is he supposed to be 18? Is he supposed I to be 20? I thought he was 10. 20? No, no, like, no, that we'd see him now. I think he put himself in and out of cryo at a certain age. Yeah, like, how old is he supposed to be when we know him? Also, who's, who's driving? Allie? I mean, like, honestly, I don't sorry, know what time was. Your dates. I'm sorry. 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 <laughs> sorry. No, I, I assume it's on autopilot. That's I thought what Monty did. <laughs> Just put it on autopilot to go to the planet. But I thought, so Jordan was born in 2158 and they put him in cryo when? In that they say that there's a video and they say that he went into cryo. Is that when they, they're 50 and they look 70? <laughs> Well, if they were 50, and I, we obviously don't know their ages, and he's you know, in his early 20s, that seems right. Okay, so he's Clark's-ish Let's just go age. with that. He's in yeah. his 20s-ish. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then 2206, again, this is all quote-unquote 2206, <laughs> is when Harper dies at around 70-ish, and then Monty is 70, but he looks 90. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> so... You guys know I don't have a heart, but <laughs> it fucked me up. Not that what they did, but the idea of Monty being alive alone for however long he outlived Harper. And like, I don't know, like maybe he floated himself. Maybe he will find his bones at some point. Like, I don't know, you know, where Monty's body is, but like the thought of him kind of alone, like in sort of like an Island of the blue dolphins kind of way, like just like <laughs> that was sad to me. Like, and then, and then the fact that he's been dead for 70 something years before they even get there, like that breaks my brain and heart a little. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> so you read do it have sad. I, I just, I just, I looking at his expression. Sorry, I have to cough. <coughs> Start again. <laughs> Time jump. Okay. I was not sad to see the journey. Uh, no. Ended. That was pretty. And I know the, the idea of him being alone, I guess I didn't think about that. What I thought about was this is exactly where he was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do. And I know people keep going, where's the body? Monty Green would give himself back to the environment. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the algae for sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think he would float himself. Oh. But then there'd be no one there to close the door after him. I don't know. I don't see him leaving his body to decompose for his son to find. Clo I don't close see the him. bay doors, Allie? Maybe, maybe right. that's it? No, I mean, maybe there's some kind of like an automatic close. I don't know the logistics, but I just see him himself giving him back to the environment. To, to, to space. For science. For science. Yes. I, it was just like, 
I was like, it was beautiful. What it, a beautiful, beautiful surprise. It was like I was like, oh, this is sci-fi with like heart, and like um, Shannon Cook looks so much like Chelsea and Chris. Right? It's disconcerting. It's the best casting ever. I was like, what? So I did actually. I was. I went, I was on Twitter and I was like, oh, thanks for spoiling all that, everybody. Right. Um, so I went into it kind of, I, the only things that I knew was a clip of Monty saying it took me 30 years to crack the Allegis code. So I didn't know that like they like lived out their whole fucking lives or that he right. didn't go into cryo at some point or something like that. So like that part I kind of knew, but then, you know, I, you know, the wheel started spinning. I was like, oh fuck, no, that, that's going to be, you know, the kid or whatever. Um, but definitely a very interesting and kind of beautifully unexpected twist I guess like I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised at the show for it and I don't mean that in a mean way it's just kind of like you guys have been punishing me all season then you give me this like oh I mean (laughs) it was beautiful I just keep thinking it was just so touching and I was so moved so moved by Chris and Chelsea and we'll get into it I think that we also share the fandom's uh, exasperation with the lack of Chelsea this season yeah can we just recognize that like they've saved all of their Harper lines for this episode yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. but hey she wasn't a ghost and so you know yeah I was I was worried a few seasons ago and with a good reason that you know Harper has become a girlfriend role because there's just more to Harper than there always has been more. Yeah. Um, than that. She and had so much in season two. Like even when they opened up this season, we knew what everyone's role was for six years on the ring, except for hers. Yeah. Like everyone seemed to have a role and responsibility. She, she being... talked about boyfriend stuff with Amori. So, you right. know, <laughs> I'm sure she helped with the algae, but like, I, I just wish they could have done Harper more justice. Generally speaking. Yeah. Like why yeah. wasn't she off with echo being a badass? You know? I feel like Echo would have trained her as well. Maybe she was more of a pacifist like Monty. Maybe. Maybe she like, I, yeah, I don't know. Remember, the, what I, her best season, I mean, her best episode was when she was going to choose to die or not. And, you know, I, you know, not that Monty saved her, but I think I'd like to think of it as she chose to live. And then she took on a lot of Monty's break the cycle attitude. And I think that was rather beautiful. It was, it was definitely a very sweet story that they, and, yeah. And I'm, I'm all about continuity, so bringing back the fact that Clark had pointed out to Harper that she had a genetic condition, and the fact that that's what killed know, her, what killed her is, is something, I appreciated that tiny detail. It was, yeah, I mean, sad, but yeah. Then again, since season one or two, we've learned that Raven had a heart condition, which is why she didn't pass a certain test. That's never been an issue. Don't put, don't fucking put the juju on, on, on Raven. No, no. When she was in the water tank last season and when she was possessed by Allie, I was convinced they were going to do something with that. Like to have her like have a heart attack about it. And no one's been tortured more than her. So her heart is GD fine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Raven beat the odds. Harper. It's true. Harper did. I digress. But yes, I I actually think the two most beautiful, like uh, choreographed and photographed and produced scenes of this entire season were Monty and Harper, and the last scene with Clark and Bellamy, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, Shaheen, you, you had a little sad face about about the name. Uh, yeah, just that they named him after Jasper. Like, <laughs> I like Jasper. Oh, I thought that was beautiful. Um, I think it was Cece pointed out on Twitter, and I don't forgive her yet, um, that Clark is never going to get to tell Monty that it was funny. That the, that the foam thing was funny. Ha. 
<laughs> and I was like, that, that what was funny? The foam bit that he and Jasper did was funny. Uh-huh. Like she's never gonna get to tell either of them that it was actually funny because A, it was, and B, like Cece, why would you put that in my head and in my heart? Like why you know what? Now she can tell Jordan all the great stories. Oh. You're always looking on the bright side of life, Joe. I know it annoys so many people. Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert, this is how I am. Um let's talk about, I guess, two two sons. Is that are we ready to move on from them waking up and seeing seeing Monty and Harper? Do we want to like spend a little bit more time memorializing? Sure. Anyone? Absolutely. Mm, Listen, we can uh, move on. Okay. Uh, um, I'm a, as you know, I repeat, I'm a sci-fi fan, so I'm excited to see how they build and present the new planet and world. Um, assuming there are no other living people out there, but there would be. Why? I think Elegious Three is on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Elegious Three is what on the planet. Uh, yeah, oh, they okay. they landed on the planet. Who knows what they morphed into? Maybe they all mutated or something. I mean, well, I mean, you have an interesting theory about the two sons. I thought that you meant right. in terms of civilizations that they might find, but now now I'm not sure about what. what well, yeah, I mean, definitely. I wonder about the manifestation of the environment of the ecosystem on the planet based on the fact that there are two sons. So obviously, everything links back to Lost for me. So drink if you had Lost on your list. Um, <laughs> When I saw two sons, I thought of the famous line from the pilot of Lost. There are two sides. One is light, one is dark. Now, the prevalent theme for five seasons has been good guys or no good guys. That's always been a play on the show. So perhaps, literally, good guys will uh, apply somehow to the different effects of each son. Effects on human beings and effects on the ecosystem. Oh, shit. So, like, some hard sci-fi shit. Yeah. I mean, I dig that shit. Wow. What is... Yeah. Yeah, um, I could be into that. Shaheen, what, what about you? What do you think about, uh, what is this Roche lobe overflow? Yeah. What the fuck is this? So, <laughs> just a little, um, you know, I, it's my field, so I have to say it. Yeah, no, please. Wait, is this your um, physics field or your philosophy field? Physics, yeah. So, uh, the binary stars usually end up collapsing into each other because of this process that's called Roche lobe overflow, where at some point... Uh, mass starts leaking from one star to the other because mm-hmm. they they um, swirl around each other. They kind of rotate around each other and and there comes a point, they change in size and everything and there comes a point when mass flows from one to the other. Now, I, I don't know, that might take millions of years or whatever, but um, just saying, that, that could happen. Okay. So, I don't know what that does to people science. who live on the planet. So when the season, you know, comes along, like eventually they're going to, the thing that when they land is going to be, fuck, these two stars are going to like run into each other. We have five yeah, minutes to get off so, the planet. Yeah. Like it may not be such a sustainable planet. It's just, I'm just saying. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting um, too, you know, yeah. Monty, Monty cracked the code of the Allegis 3 to, to find the system, right? To find the, the location. You know, he right. left that data for Raven somewhere. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. He had and, like, why was it encoded? That's my other question. Why was right. it a secret? Was that, you know, was that a Becca Alley thing? Is that a, a, a Bill Cadigan thing? Right? People are people are hoping that maybe there's some crazy Bill um, happening happening on that planet. Um, God, I don't know. I kind of hope not. I don't know. I'm all down for some new <laughs> shit, too. So, like, yeah, I like the idea of a planet with two suns, though. I, I hope they show a lot of the sky. 
I feel like that's going to be a pain in the ass for the lighting department to deal with. Yeah. Like maybe they'll just be like, huh, they, they actually aren't always both in the sky at the same time. Oh, well, man. if you notice, one of them looks a lot bigger than the other. So I assume like you're sometimes near one and sometimes near the other. Or... Well, think about the logistics too. They're filming in Vancouver. So depending on the environmental conditions at the time when they start filming this summer, yeah. what's going to look like another planet? They've, you know, it, Do they transform that quarry that used to be the housing of where the Ark was? You know, like where Polis was, do they repurpose that to look like a different planet? It's going to be really cool to see. It's going to look a lot like Vancouver. Um, <laughs> you wish. But but I kind of wonder, like, what if somehow in the way that this sun, the suns exist, what if there's no nighttime? Oh, shit, like Alaska? Yeah. Like, what if you're, like, in the Arctic Circle during, you know, the summer all the time and... You go crazy because you. I mean, if sleep. the planet is spinning around itself, but what if there you have a, be... a sun on either, you know, opposite sides, so you barely get. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like, what if? Okay, fine. What true. if you get three hours of darkness yeah. or something? Like, and it, it makes them go crazy. Yeah. You know, I guess it could be technically. Sometimes you get no. Night. Like that's people go crazy when that happens. Right. People yeah. go and, crazy you know, when there's, there's no sunlight, too. We also don't know the if there's any uh, after effects of cryo for 125 years. Yeah, yeah. And that actually kind of gets us pretty well into our well, actually, yes. <laughs> Shaheen. Um, which <laughs> which is, start. For, for, for new listeners, uh, you know, we, we always, not that we don't pick apart stuff anyway, but the well actually is our, like, just being insufferable. Of like picking apart a, a <laughs> plot point and being like, well, actually, how would that even happen? So, um, Shaheen, yeah, you it's have... like a suspension of its suspension of disbelief. It's usually when we call yeah. out some schmiants. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Shaheen, you actually have have a pretty good one. Yeah. So my schmiants is that like, are we? I don't know. Are we even at this point gonna well actually this or not? But like, the ship had to have fuel and keep the cryopods running. For like a gazillion years, just mm-hmm. floating in space, um, and I thought they dumped most of it—the hethalodium or whatever—on Earth. So, what is the ship running on? So, for all these centuries, I had canon um, that it's like yeah. the expanse with the Epstein drive, and so like it is. Well, their so... Epstein drive was hethalodium. Yeah, but maybe they said they... it makes you go fast and stuff. But maybe you barely need any to like move along like maybe that's yeah. why it took forever because monty just like set them adrift and was like here's a little push and you'll just get there eventually like <laughs> yeah I, that's the only, I, I don't know have you heard about m drive no what's m drive m drive is kind of like the epstein drive is like but like for but real? it's a real thing that they're discussing now with some people say it's it's i mean there's still disagreement on whether it's a real phenomenon but they found this phenomenon where they say that you can have a spaceship propel itself forward with just electromagnetic waves. Doesn't need fuel. Um, it kind of s- violates some laws like <laughs> conservation of momentum and stuff. But um, but who pays yeah. attention to that one? <laughs> yeah. Do you buy into it? I don't know enough about how it's supposed to work. <sighs> Swear to God. Um, I will actually. Yes. What, go ahead. Do you have one? I was just going to say, you know, I know you suspend your disbelief, but I think about silly things like you're in cryo for 125 years. Do you smell bad? Your, like, well, does the bacteria say, on your body? Your do- 
It uses you. It suspends your bodily functions. Yeah. It suspends you are your growth. It suspends your excretion. It, it it suspends your everything, but your mind remains the same. It's just a fascinating concept. But like your mind is paused. Like right. Like yeah, doesn't your mind have to like move some things from cache to hard drive before that happens? Like. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, and if that's and what like stuff that you were thinking about right then and there, are you gonna remember? Are you gonna just pick up where you were? Like if you were like right. mid word thought, like the word finishes, yeah. or like if you were mid sneeze and like, do you? Finish, <laughs> do you like finish you're your just sneeze? getting that tingle. You're just getting that tingle starting <laughs> the tingle beginning of the sneeze, and and you the cryo kicks in. Are you going to sneeze you, you when know you're going to... Oh, shit. Octavia is going to just come running out of cryo and just the first thing she's going to say is, so do you forgive me yet or what, Bellamy? <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, the fuck? Yeah, welcome back, oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, wait, was that... That was your will, actually, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, mine was what happened to Monty's body, um, so that's not that great. Um, <laughs> uh, other thoughts. Um, we, we talked about Clark pulling levers... Talked about awesome, awesome side. Oh, do they count as aliens, Shaheen? Like, what is the definition of an alien? Like, they were born on another planet. Does who count as aliens? Do uh, either of them, I guess in this case, Earthers, do they count as aliens to to planet folk? To sun folk? Um, I wouldn't think so. I would say they're just humans who colonized another planet. That's not very fun. Um, Joe, what are, what are your other thoughts? Unless, again, this is genetic drift. Like, when you have a small group of... When you separate a small group of people from a genetic pool, it, there's a good chance that some weird traits start to show up because um, it's a very small group, and so you might have picked up a particular part of the genetic pool. And so, who knows? They might look... All sorts of freaky. Maybe they all have lobster hands, and like this is Amori's moment. And then it would be like, well, you're if if they can't bang and have kids, well, (laughs) they might even have kids. Wait, is this gonna be like a like a like a like a mule or what is it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's the criterion for being a different species, right? Like the operationalized like you can have children but they're sterile like maybe they make donkeys yeah yeah then you still count as different species then they would be aliens yeah okay you guys just totally shaheen you're a genius you just made my mind (laughs) come up with a new new conspiracy theory which is that if there's a new life form they're going to talk to and it's like a rival but they're going to talk to imori first because she's not like everybody else whoa yeah and she's got to feel at home I mean, I don't necessarily think that it, by the way, I'm not at all trying to be offensive to anyone regarding anyone with disabilities. No. What I'm saying is she's got a physical disability. That is visible. Raven, yeah, that Raven wears a brace, but she's got this hand. And I'm just, for some reason, when you said that, I was like, what if they reach out to her? I don't know. It just came to my head. I mean. Maybe I just want more Louisa. Maybe. May, yes, you're very transparent. <laughs> um, what, what about you, Joe? Some other, some other thoughts. Okay, I know this is tricky, Uh and it's somewhat controversial. When people talk about people on shows getting cast on other shows while they're still on the current one, the biggest case in point would be when Alicia got cast on Fear the Walking Dead while she was still on The 100. We know she was a guest star, but she obviously had an impact, uh, undeniable impact on this show. Mm -hmm. The, The biggest 
per name person right now who has a role on another show is Ian is on a new Fox show called The Passage. Now, Ian has also appeared on other shows throughout the last five years. Mm -hmm. He is able to do that because there's only certain months that the 100 films, and I don't know that he's in every episode. So, obviously, each actor has their own contract, so I would tell fans not to freak out. I know that Jason has said publicly... And Tati's um, in something else as well, and, you know... So, Tati was just, was cast, I think, as the villain in the new Sabrina, the teenage witch um, series that's on Netflix, which actually looks really good, because it's got the daughter from Mad Men. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, I would say, if you read about other casting, don't panic about your favorite characters on The 100, because they film at different times for the most part. Thanks for the thanks for the like the warm hug of people not running around like with chickens with their heads cut off or whatever freaking out. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if those two people are people causing people like to panic, but I know that Gaia became a more of a beloved character this season. Yeah, she taught like they gave great material to her and taught she taught to do a great job. Like I, I really liked Gaia. Like I'm always nervous when they bring on new cast members and then like, damn, they do good casting. Um, right. On the on the show. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, of course, everyone's in cryo, so it's probably going to be also really easy to write off people. Right. Because um, you're like, oh, wow, their cryopod failed. Huh, who right. knew? Um, yeah, do you have any other, other thoughts about the episode or where you want to see it going, Shaheen? I did before this, but I forgot now. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Sorry, man. Was remember. it about... We derailed him. What's it about cryopods? No, no. Sons? It was somehow related to what we were talking about, yeah, before other thoughts, which was... Cryopods, I guess. Yeah. But I, yeah. No, I don't nothing. remember. So no. it'll come to you later. You can just record your your thing. We'll be like, "Hey, Shaheen, what do you think about <laughs> yeah. this?" There's your intro. <laughs> All right, cool. Edit okay. that part out. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap up and uh, tell people what TV they should be watching? I, I have one more thing to say, which I wanted to yes. touch on earlier. And again, I, I don't yes. want it to, to be controversial. This is just my own personal opinion. Yes. I'm a, I, am, I am a romantic person. I believe in love so much, and I want it for everybody. And I love love. I'm just going to give that caveat. Okay. I, know I have that no idea where of, this is going. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people want the flame to move on. A lot of people say, Clark has lamented the loss of Lexa for six years. She needs to move on. I would just like to say, as a fan of the sci-fi of the story and the love of the story, again, this is not... I know you can call me a shipper if you want. I'm not saying this from a shipper perspective. The legacy of Lexa is important to the overall story. Yes. It is important because it was an integral part of Clark's journey and her story. I understand why people are frustrated, but I would just say that regardless of how long you have with someone on this earth, anyone, not just a romantic partner, if your love is strong enough, it lives forever in your soul and 100% affects who you are as a human being every day of your life moving forward. That is why I personally am not bothered by the fact that Lexa's legacy and love will forever be a part of Clark. And I don't think that's a detriment. I think that's an advantage. Uh, yeah, no, we, we've even talked about this uh, on, on the episode of just being like, First of all, the optics. You can't fucking smash the flame. Like, this was when people were calling for people to smash the flame. Like, no, like, the optics of that are very bad. But then also the fact of, like, listen, you know, it's it's a memory. Like, it's important and 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 did shape who she is and, and will continue to shape going forward. And, yes, it's very important to the mythology. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. Like, this is where the story is... Go like the mythology opened up like cracked wide fucking open in three oh seven, which 
that's it's actually why it's a very frustrating episode for me because if you ask me what one of the best episodes of the hundred is, I will actually say that because fuck, like we all got our minds blown in terms of the mythology of this show, and you know I, I love sci-fi shows that do introduce that kind of mythology. Um, I will give a shout out to CC and talking about how Twelve Monkeys did that in their second season. Like the first season was kind of a retelling of the movie, and then the mm-hmm. second season it found its mythology. Um, a person of Interest did something very similar where it's a very procedural show. Um, mm-hmm. until it kind of went off the rails and like dove head first into this crazy big mythology. And so, you know, it's an important part of the story. And if you're worried about this mythology of the show getting in the way of one ship or another or another or another, like... I don't y- think it will be. You need to have more faith in your ship. Like... Like, you got to believe, you got to clap your hands together. Like, you know, it's, I'm not saying like where the story is going, but you know, just like, this is, this is an aspect of the mythology now. It's baked into the show. Like, it's important. Um, uh, Yeah, and I honestly don't believe that Lex has anything to do with Bellamy in terms of where they take that No, I'm only mad that they never got to be friends. I feel like they would have been such good buddies. I think there would have been such a fascinating friendship dynamic between Lex and Bellamy because of their leadership styles. Mm -hmm. And and because of their respect for Clark. And their respect for Clark, I think it would have been awesome. It's the bro TP that we were never given, and I'm still upset about it. I still talk about it in group Slack chats. I will will forever, like, yes, I'm a Klexa shipper, but, like, in the grander story of things, like it's more interesting, you know, when there's angst. So like just the just the friendship would have been really nice between between Lexa and Bellamy. Anyway. Yeah, wrap up. Yeah. yeah. Wrap up. Um TV shows to recommend. Shaheen, are you watching anything these days? Well, I, I wanted to have something for this section, so I started <laughs> You've never <laughs> I started catching up on uh, Better Call Saul. Okay. Yes. But uh but I fell asleep, so I <laughs> I oh fell asleep dear. on the like the premiere season. Oh my god, two. it was so well, good, I, dude. Yeah. yeah. Better Call Saul only gets better with each season. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, season four is only one one episode come out. Yes. It's come out right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll so you haven't been watching anything else? Oh, I watch too much. Um, like the Great British Bake Off. That's my comfort, okay? I watch stuff like that. I love Winona Earp so much. I'm waiting um, to marathon it all today. Uh, we are not good. There's so much to love about that show. And honestly, the, the thing that brings me the greatest joy right now is The Bold Type on Freeform. Uh, it is a show about three young women who are starting or in their career at, at working for a magazine, and they have the most empowering boss, um, Malora Harden, who used to be on The Office and was on Transparent, and she's just phenomenal. It's really, it's women supporting women, and it's just nice to see because it's 2018 and we really need that. And it's not a chick show. There is something for everyone. They, they cover uh, very current topics. Um, it's just, it's fun. It's touching. It's colorful. It just, I, it, it's the only show bringing me true joy right now, which is kind of nice. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's pretty bleak out there. Um, we're definitely... Um... Yeah, like I, we, I, you know, we watch a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff, yes. and it, I, I can see that that people. It, it was nice for that ending shot of Clark and Bellamy looking out at a whole new world, and you're like, "Yay, hope!" Like, yes, yeah. I thought that was a stunning shot, and it's iconic, and it's already a million people's Twitter headers. Um, and you know, with good reason, it, it's a, it's an amazing shot. If you think about also. 
Shout out to Eliza and Bob. I think everyone can agree that the fact that they're doing that scene to green screen gives you an idea of their talent. I, yes, and I always forget about the green screen, and then I'm like, oh, right, this is super pretend. Like, not just, like, a little bit make-believe, but, right. like, make it up in your mind make-believe. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, if no. I had to guess, If I had to guess, they played Monty's video on a monitor in front of them, but then had to, they had to look at the green screen for the planet, so yeah. they were very touched by that, but... So um, cry at this green screen. Yes. The theme of the episode was cry and cryo. That was it. <laughs> oh, so many puns. Um, Shaheen... Y- Absolutely nothing else watching. I'm, I'm going to keep on like harping on this. Like, I hope that you'll just think of something besides um, I fell asleep to an yeah. episode of Better Call Saul. <laughs> the good place. Um, I, am I caught up on the good place? I think I so. Two seasons, I think. Yeah. You're yeah. caught up, Shaheen. That's, you know, yeah. That's a no, I was also going to watch the, there's a new Incredibles, right? Movie? The, the movie? Yeah. 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 Um, so I will recommend that, I guess. Okay. I liked yeah. I liked the original. How how does it hold up? Oh, uh, not as well. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. As usual. Okay. Yeah, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's totally fun. Okay. Okay. Um I'll just keep on recommending the good fight. Uh oh, so good. It's a good show. Um yeah, they kind of march be to their own drummer and kind of do their own thing and say fuck you to like who whoever doesn't want them to do that. And it's 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 a it's a delightful show. Um Next episode, we're on fucking hiatus. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last because we got a bunch of other shit that we want to cover over the 100 hiatus. Um, Shaheen, are you pumped to start Humans? Ooh, definitely. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> you have been wanting to do Humans since last year. Dude, yeah. Like, you told when you told me to watch it, I thought, like, because we were in, the, in hiatus back then, I thought you wanted to start right then. I, <laughs> Remember I sent you like a wall of text. I was like, and this, this is all and my, this, I was just, I watched like two episodes and I was, I was just like writing essays. So That's yeah. So yeah, um, I'm pumped. we'll be getting to humans uh, and expand season three. And I don't know what the fuck else. Um, maybe <laughs> if you have time and inclination, we can also pastor you to jo- join us again, Joe. I will. I haven't watched any of those shows, but, uh, you know, we can talk you never about know. whatever. We can talk you about whatever, yeah. uh, you know, season six, hundred, you know, this podcast will still probably be around. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Awesome. Uh, yes. thanks for, thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah. Thanks, thanks Joe. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And I hope I didn't say anything stupid. And if anyone's offended, I really, you know, I never, I never intended to. And I, I do, I do believe in kindness and I believe in this fandom and I believe in generosity and, you know, cancer gets lost has only been enhanced a hundred percent the last few years by the hundred fandom pun intended and oh. i just want to say hey thanks for listening and, and for supporting not just my charitable endeavors but the charitable endeavors of all the fans that have put together these incredible campaigns for the actors that they love and to for supporting richard and bob and eliza and Lindsay and every single actor that has had a, a charitable endeavor you've all made it successful because you are kind humans wow that gives us that gives people a lot of credit. Uh, um, listen, because those are the people I pay attention to. That's that's yeah, because the loud ones, the, the loud dickish ones, um, you know, they they drown so out much. a lot of the nice voices, and so the, the you gotta quieter, block the quieter block block. Majority. The quieter majority are the loveliest. Yes. Um, yes. If you go to cons, um, if you get a chance, I've only been to one. Um, it was super chill, super nice. Like you have nice yes. conversations with people. Like it's kind of it's a weird like nerd camp. So if you and if you can swing non-toxic. it, non toxic. 
Yes, there's no t- like it's zero tolerance. It, yeah, it's 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 a delight. Um, so yeah, uh, fuck. I guess we're I guess we're done with season five. Well, um, you'll be at Unity Days in January. Yes. Well, hopefully, hopefully they hopefully. will give me a press pass again, uh, right. despite whatever the fuck they might find on my Twitter. Um, <laughs> the other day, like I applied for a press pass, then the next day somehow uh, it, the May We Geek Again mentions are covered in He Man and Shira like incest head cannons. <laughs> I'm like, guys, guys. Guys. That's what? okay. Grain of salt. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Thanks. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say also Conageddon, if uh, hopefully you'll be there as well. I will be there as well in March. In oh, right. Boston. Yes. Plug that. And by then they will have wrapped up uh, season six. So they'll be full of non, non just like days. They'll be in the middle of filming toward the end of the season. Uh, Unity days in January. And I believe they'll be wrapped up right before Conageddon in March. So the, you know, you might get some beautifully vague answers, but just seeing them in person, and I think that a lot of fans who listen go to cons, and they know that uh, there's a lot of cons where it's like, it's a, you shake their hand, you take their picture, you get their autograph, you leave, but th- this cast pays a lot of attention. They remember you, They if they have time, they will take time, and I think that they are extremely grateful and realize that they are have a career because of your support. So I would highly recommend Unity Days and or Conageddon for 100 fans. Yeah, and if you're uh, overseas, I don't know what those ones are, but you know, check your local Google. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of cons there. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that was U.S.-based. I'm sorry, yes. So, so uh, you know, America first. Um, <laughs> God, <laughs> Lord, not necessarily. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks, everyone. Um, may we geek again. Take it easy, guys. May we tweet again. Oh, the puns, the puns. You're welcome. <laughs>